Hello, hello, welcome to Allies of Convenience, the international competitive games workshop podcast. This is our Warhammer 40,000 edition. I'm your host, Logan, and this weekend was Warhammer Fest, a very, very big event held in the Midlands, uh, replaced the old Games Day uh, here in the UK for all our international listeners. Loads and loads and loads of 8th edition news, of course, as you can expect, both from Warhammer Fest and appearing on the community pages and other sources. Uh, the guys were down there in force from the podcast, uh, and we recorded a session. Matt Robertson, uh, Adam Ryland, uh, uh, with guests Simon Wheatley and Pat Divers. They're talking about all the 40k rumours, points, power levels, uh, the new format, the new system, all the models revealed at Warhammer Fest as well. So check this one out. Big thanks to everybody who's been checking out all of the info that we've been posting on our Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash AOC podcast or just search Allies of Convenience podcast on Facebook. Always posting up the new news and findings that we have on there for you guys to check out and discuss. So please give us a like uh, and a follow and get involved. Send us a message. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, also, we have now started using Twitter, and our Twitter handle is at Allies Podcast. Unfortunately, AOC Podcast was taken, but that's the one we're using, so follow us up on Twitter as well. So, without any further ado, let's get into this episode. Over to you, Robbo. Over the weekend, all four of us, plus a few others, been that, and I'm guessing quite a lot of other people, actually, have been to Warhammer Fest. So, what are your thoughts, guys? Enjoy the day? Yeah, it was a really good day out, actually. Really, really good. Uh, we had nice weather for it as well, which always helps, even if it is like mostly inside. Um, the demo areas seemed like quite well set up for sort of all the four world stalls and stuff, and seemed to have some nice like exclusives. Um, the tournaments, they seemed to go all right. The, the 40k one, I like I saw a little bit. There was a guy with two townars, and his opponent had like some chaos marines in rhinos and a mauler fiend. Yeah, <laughs> it's like someone's gonna have a bad day at that table. I heard a lot well, of things about the event. Yeah, I got I got told that there's gonna be some compliant emails going, but about just about the actual tournaments because they wasn't run very well, but people enjoyed actually looking around and stuff like that. But the actual tournament was a bit... They were quite lacking. expensive as well to get a ticket. It was by kind of and normal, I, independent standards. I think um, that might have just been the 40k, because one of my friends played in the Sigma event there, and he yeah. said like, it went really well. Like It was really... So maybe that's I, a reflection of like the... Yeah, you are, guys. ...play rule set. We, looking around, the Sigma tables were actually really good. Like, there was enough terrain. The 40k ones had like two pieces, three pieces of terrain. Yeah, some of them were just a, a joke. Well, to be honest, none of them were good, but some of them were taking the piss to another level. But what, what people liked, play. what people liked about the 40k one is it's their main chance to play all the Forge World stuff they own, like all the stuff that's not normally allowed. Yeah, it was just to bring whatever you want kind of event. Yeah. So that, so I think they all enjoyed using the big towel suits and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the top two were Eldar and Eldar. Oh, Yunari, most likely. And then 
third was a marine bike star. Q surprise. Q <laughs> bye bye, all gone, no yeah. more. But yeah, we were chatting with the guys who I think came second and third because we bumped into them. They were saying, yeah, it's, it's been a nice send off. They're looking forward to eighth going forwards now. It was a bit of fun while it lasted. Not as much as their opponents, I bet. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to eighth. Though. Who was it? Uh, Dan told me. I think he played. His one game was over in one turn. He, he played against Magnus and Flying Demon Princes, and he had Tao with the big super suit. Oh, Magnus. Yeah, Magnus took control to shut the super suit and killed all the rest of the Tao army. <laughs> it's like he played one turn. <laughs> no sympathy there. If he was being nice, the Magnus player should have let the Tao guy roll his own dice. <laughs> just so at least you know, he is getting to participate could you shoot those guys for me and then could you shoot those thanks very much <laughs> oh dear Sorry. so yeah that was looked like room to improve on but like, it seemed like the iOS side went well and I think there was Blood Bowl as well because I saw a big Blood Bowl yeah, there was. but I didn't really hear much about that because I didn't really know anyone there unfortunately but that looked quite good they had all the uh, new mats the other neoprene maps they're doing, they had loads of them out to use, which looked really cool. Yeah, well, I think um, in terms of like the wider sort of maps as well, it looks like Games Workshop and Frontline might be doing a partnership as like a distributor of the fat mats. I thought that because those mats seemed very. Yeah, so all the tables had so six I, by four mats. Which I think with some of the seen. Frontline people have been having meetings with Games Workshop, and basically it's going to be like a Games Workshop. Well, I hope that. Anyway, the Games Workshop will become like a distributor for the Fat Mats. That'd be brilliant. Like a Yeah. Because they've, yeah. they've been down all weekend, haven't they? Which is cool. Yeah. But the, I, could, I had a look at the mats and I couldn't see any branding or anything. And they seemed a little bit thinner. Not quite as clear and crisp as the Fat Mats. Yeah. Or it might have just been a basic mass production run just to get the stuff out if it's going to be yeah, used I all think, the time. I, I think that's some of the feedback I've sort of heard as well is that rather than try and build the sort of production process for mats themselves, GW are thinking it. And it is smart business if they can just become a distributor for the fat mats. Yeah. Yeah, they'll make money off it. Everyone wins. It's already an established product. It seems like a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I know I've got a fat mat and I've got a game mat. And the fat mats are the best I've seen out there. They're a little bit more expensive, but the quality's there. You are a fat mat. <laughs> true. Very true. Well, well played, Simon. Well played. Uh, that one's getting edited. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, you know how to do it. Yeah. Nah, I won't get to do that. Don't kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think we got. I think we got lucky when we were queuing up on the Sunday. It was me, Adam, and Pat went because we were stood about three quarters of the way down the queue. Well, it kind of snaked a little bit for the door, near the doors and then backed up. And we were stood near where the doors backed up and they were like, oh, tournament players can come through now. Oh, you guys are tournament players, aren't you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. come through now. Yes, we are. Straight to the front of the four-door queue, getting the goodies and little bits we wanted. And then seeing the queue back up and up and up as we walked back away from it. That was quite I a good imagine. Imagine how much money was spent over that weekend on Fordville. Oh, oh yeah. In the first Ooh. hour, well, like how much have been spent? Me, me Stu yeah. and Andy spent a grand. 
What? Just the three of us. That's not a Titan, is it? No, it's two foothawks. Plus <laughs> <laughs> I bought a book. Yeah, tight ass. <laughs> I did want to buy Amon, to be honest, but it was 46 quid and I was on an R in 46 quid because I'd, I'd just be using him as a counter as a sorcerer. Yeah, if you had more use for it, it, you could justify it a little bit, but you just wanted the shiny model, didn't you? Yeah, pretty much. So I, I chose to pass. Maybe another time when I'm flush. Yeah, so we kind of saw that, had a look around what the new Blood Bowl stuff was and some of the Hobbit models, and they're really nice models. I like the Hobbit stuff, especially Forge World. Yeah, I like the sheep Hobbit. chariot, the sheep chariot for life. Yeah, a hundred quid though yeah. that chariot. A yeah. lot of money. Yeah, it's not a massive model, is it? But there's a lot yeah. of little fiddly bits of detail on it. Yeah, the trolls were like, was it seventy quid, something like that? Is that the one with the the really sort of like dark one, where it's just like being controlled by a guy who's got like spikes in its eyes? Yeah, the stumpy and troll. Hands and feet calf as well. Like, yeah, brilliant model. Troll. I like that one. Yeah, brilliant model. Yeah. So yeah, we had a look at all that kind of thing. Had a walk over uh, the computer game section, which looked quite. Oh, they had that Terminator as well, didn't they? Yeah, the big. Oh, right. um, the, yeah, it was like two foot tall or something. It was huge. Yeah, it was like half the size of Pat. And <laughs> then and Matt ran over, sat down, and started playing Dawn of War Two. Me and Pat just stood there thinking, well, yeah, Dawn of War the same as what you're going to play at home. Aren't oh, we just going to look around the venue? Well, it depends whether <laughs> yeah. your computer will turn on. Yeah. Oh, true. So me, me and Pat left Matt to play Dawn of War and went and played a, a demo game of 40k. Yeah, the Dawn of War I was impressed with, actually, because I've not had a chance to buy it yet. I thought, oh, I'll give it a try, see what it's like. Because I know the second one was a bit crap, whereas the first one was really good. But luckily, we've gone back to the first style of the gameplay. But the guy that sat next to me, he must have been there for hours. Well, like me and Adam said that, there would have been some people who basically sat on those computers all day. Yeah. I looked across, and like, you start off, and what they had set up was, like, you play through the campaign, and so I'm like, all right, okay, I play through a bit of that. And you start with, like, a captain, then you get a squad of scouts halfway through the mission, and then by the end of it, you've got five marines. And he's there running around with a knight. I was just like, no, for half an hour. <laughs> what what did strike me uh, walking around all the game section is how big they are now for the actual games. Yeah, there were loads There's of so them, many. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, really that Inquisitor one looked brilliant. The Man of War one looked really yeah, good. Yeah, the Vermintide I've heard really good things about. Did yeah, you see any they, of the um, VR uh, VR one? There was a guy doing the <laughs> VR one. They looked like that. Like. It's not a cool look. I imagine it's pretty a great <laughs> game, but it yeah. does not look oh. good. Yeah, oh, we're standing you... there, and I said to Pat, oh, how brilliant does that look? Look, they are, and we're there, and we're watching the screen. And Pat's gone, yeah, but you look a bit of a dick playing it, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, now you mention it, yeah, you do. <laughs> well, what game was it that they had VR on? I think it was the Skaven it's... one. Oh, was it Skaven Vite VR? I think so. Because I think they had a computer where you could play it, and they had the VR running as well. Yeah, because I only saw the computer one of that. That's cool. That'd be pretty fun. But the uh, there's a new talisman coming out for PS3, isn't there? Is there? Yeah. I know about that. Yeah, yeah, it was a 
that little. But I do like a lot. It was nice to see a lot of the um, the independent, like the not GW produced games. They're just the GW license. Yeah. It was nice to see them get the opportunity to have the stores and broadcast oh. themselves a little bit there. Oh yeah. Have you seen as well some of the the mobile games they've been doing? Like um, I don't know if you have played the Imperial Knight one. That one like loads of prizes. Oh, Freeblade, yeah. Yeah, it's like a rail shooter. There was so a Space Wolf one as well, so wasn't cool. Yeah, and there's Horus Heresy Drop Assault, which is like a base-building game. You sort of get a load of stuff, and you go and like attack people's bases, and it's cool. Like it's Again, the mechanics aren't that complex, but it's really good fun. Yeah, I played Freeblade quite a bit when that first came out, and that was yeah, really yeah. good. Strange battery like crazy. Yeah. What I did say while we was looking at it, so annoying because the games are that good and I haven't got a PC to play on them. <laughs> it's like the urge is to go and buy a gaming PC. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, if they can make it like all sort of iPad playable, that would be like the dream, right? Well, we up and get them out on Xbox. Yeah. Yeah. It just look cool. But yeah, so what was it after that? The demo was games, which I think we all had completely different reactions to the demo games yeah I yeah it was, it was funny it, it was, was funny much, depending on what member of staff you got yeah i mean how many would there have been in that room about 20 or something going on yeah quite a few like yeah I do, I do feel a bit bad for some of them because obviously like they've all been given like a quick sort of preview of the game and a cheat sheet and then they've been told but by the way you can't tell anyone basically anything yeah but you also have to take them through a game, game. like and also, and also, they've got no one to practice with, so all the managers will have seen the game, but they're the only ones. So unless you are near another manager, yeah. you've got no one like to practice with other than... And I mean, yeah. I would have done it. I would have set up a table and played against like myself to learn it, but <clears throat> I can't imagine most people are that, like, well, sad. I, I think you got that wrong. I think they give him the rules and says, you've got five seconds to remember this, and then took the rules right away. The, the managers have been like, oh, maybe they all saw them at a conference or something, yeah, for a weekend. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they no, had anything it, it, to take away with them. No, I think they had like a game we- intro weekend, so yeah. kind of learn what was going on. But no, I meant, I meant as in they give them five seconds to learn the rules and then took them away. Yeah. And then go and do your intro game. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other slightly like, funny thing about that is the painting on the guys wasn't the best, but well, I, I yeah, also think there was, there was an intern I, who on like two o'clock Friday afternoon we said oh yeah by the way you need to paint 20 sets of this for us yeah but in um, fairness come back in let two you hours. Like sin cast the first stone in that fight it's not like none of us well <laughs> yeah Adam, in fairness, actually to, to be fair the intro game was probably the most laughs we had the whole weekend yeah yeah it was really well, the good whole like, Sorry. you can pick a couple of holes in it but generally it was really good and the new the new game is really strong like you can feel already, like the way characters work, where you know, the, so the, I got to be the Space Marines and like the Gravis Captain with the Power Fist, like he can sort of buff the Hell Blasters so that when you overcharge them, they can reroll those ones that would kill all the guys instead, and they just like annihilate some stuff at range. And then when he charges, he gets to strike first with the Power Fist, so it's the well, moment yeah. it's like he charges and then he doesn't have to wait his turn to fight. He like runs in and just beats someone in the face with a Power Fist. That's awesome. Cool. You got that. to learn that. We got to learn. We got to learn that strength four wounds toughness seven on fours. Yeah. You had a good one. Yeah. <laughs> when you say learn, <laughs> <laughs> well, got to correct. <laughs> yeah. It really did make a difference in who you had, was it? 
to be yeah. honest. It was. It, and we were one of the first ones on. So I went with Nick Rose, cheeky shout out. And um, we were, we got to play like really early on the Saturday morning. So there was only about a dozen people in the queue and, and maybe about 20 people playing when we got our go. That's it. They were fresh and. You yeah, so doing. everyone was really fresh and like excited. And I imagine by sort of Sunday afternoon, people have been doing the same demo game like probably sort of 40 times were a bit exhausted. Yeah, because I think just Adam and Pat went just before me and Stu. Yeah, well. we would have been there, um, what, like 11 Sunday morning and something like that. It was Sunday morning at some time. They told me their story, so I was a bit like, let's, all right, let's go and see. We can't not do it while we're here. And yeah. the guy we had was really good. It was like five minutes-ish. We just stood chatting, looking at the models, which I'm not a massive fan of the new Marines. That's just seen him in the flesh, but we'll go on to that in a bit. But like rules-wise, he basically went through not knowing what we knew. Obviously, they've got to go in fresh with everybody. So, right, this is this, this is this. Pick a unit each. So we had like a unit and a character each. And he went through the basics of this is how this works now, this is how this works now. But he made the effort of saying like characters can't be targeted if they're within 10 of a unit. And there was a few bits that didn't come up in the game, but he explained anyway. Which, for me, I was a bit like, okay, right, yeah, because it's stuff I'd read anyway. But a lot of people, if they hadn't kept on top of all the updates and things like that, it would have been great little yeah. 10, 15 minutes. Do you know, I think the problem was for us, I think that was more designed for somebody who's never played a game before, just to say, come on, roll some dice, move this, look, that's what we do, come and try the hobby out. Where yeah, if you like, sort of paid 40k, it was a bit like, oh, it's not really for you. It felt like yeah. a, game, a games workshop shop demo game, rather than a transition demo game. I think they probably are the main target audience, though. For like, so people who sort of play a bit, or you know, don't play, because we all play at a fairly like intense level of 40k. I think well, that's, that's reasonable to say. We're so, going like, to buy it anyway. They yeah, exactly. So we're we're mainly there on terms of finding out like the nuances in how the mechanics have changed, whereas most people are there to sort of have a good time and be like, oh, I played the game Raid Edition. Yeah, it was cool. Um, I hell blasted someone. Yeah, that was fun. What? What was different? I'm not especially sure. Was we're just like, can you walk me through the specifics of how pylons move in future as opposed to how they do now? Like another thing, I don't know whether you guys noticed that the cases, what held all the army books in, they were locked. Yeah, yeah. nobody had the key. <laughs> you just couldn't get to them. Oh. <laughs> somebody asked a question, and one of the guys was going to go check. And just to give an answer, and then was like, oh, I, I don't know where the key is. I can't check. Sorry. You, you kind, you kind of needed one of the, the fire hammers next to it in case of emergency <laughs> break glass. <laughs> Quick emergency. We, we were saying as a joke, they should have like put totally blank pages inside and then left them out on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. So be like, oh my god, look, oh, oh. or even better, just printed it, the seventh head rules inside. <laughs> it, it might be nice if we had a couple open on certain pages. Just oh, so you could see some units. With staff members, maybe, so they could just glimpse little bits of pieces or ask them questions and you know, answer a certain amount of what they can. Like someone just stood with the books chatting about them. 
I think that's nice. nice, but like, there's too much risk there, basically. Yeah. Like, because this is like a really valuable product for them. Well, they did it at the open day in January with the new Fourth KD book. They had a guy yeah. behind the desk with it. But that's, about it. but that's well, a bit that's a bit different to like basically the the total game being new whereas like all that did was be like oh imperial soup is even more broken than it was before yeah. well Sorry, he, he wasn't it's... showing you the book he was just kind of tra- talking about it but without giving stuff away still he was still cagey with their answers but a little bit yeah. more oh cool it, that's there it actually makes no difference now and they're gonna know that because all the stuff's been sent out to the stores next week well, this week, sorry. So all the information is going to be there, and all the stores are going to do demo games and show people. The independent independent stores are getting them. So all this stuff is going to be out next week anyway. So it didn't make any difference. They maybe could have showed you a bit more because it literally makes no difference. It saves them a week, and it makes a bit more hype for pre-order, if anything. But but uh, all good. We're going to get it all soon enough. Well, so this week, yeah. we've already got a load of rules online, yeah. haven't we, this week? But yeah. we should know pretty much everything yeah. this week. So that's a nice little segue. Should we talk about those? I think we've got more of Warhammer Fest, haven't we? Yeah. Well, let's go up to the next floor. Yeah, because that was all ground floor. You had the tournament, you had the stores, the sales bits, and the games, the demo. It was the Ford World bit next, was it? Yeah, Ford yeah. World and the, the um, Lord of the Rings, was it? Yeah, like the really cool bit I thought was uh, they had a book out, and it's basically oh, a few of them saying all the Heresy Primark models. It was scrap like a scrapbook of inspiration, different ideas, and some of that was really cool to look at. And they had a size comparison of all the Primark models as well. Yeah, that was quite interesting. Who was the tallest and? The tallest is uh, Horus and Magnus the same height. And Mortarion as well. Uh, he was a bit shorter. The actual two tallest are Magnus and Horus. Where I thought I thought Magnus was the tallest, but Horus obviously is a big dude himself. Yeah, and then you have the was it Alpharion was like two mil shortest. Everybody else. Yeah, short ass. Everyone else was within like fifty one to fifty three ish, and then he's yeah. like, yeah, I'm a stunty. Yeah, it was quite interesting, that. It was quite nice to look at. Yeah, um, it's just like a little scrap. Like It looked like that had been on very early on as well, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Uh, that was cool. We thought it was like, all done at the same time as well from in the cabinet. So. Yeah, like they'd planned the rough sizing of them. Yeah, before, before they'd, they'd yeah, done any of them, really. But I was a bit surprised that there was nothing really new from Forge World. Like you had yeah, the Magnus model and uh, Magus Amon, which were on like pre-release there. You could pick them up before anywhere else, but they weren't exactly new. People had seen them. Mm. That's it. They, yeah, there they was had a the new Thunderhawk on the desk as well, which was kind of cool. But oh yeah, they did have that. Um... I think the new stuff which we wouldn't have saw. I think I've seen it on Facebook on Saturday. It was maybe in a seminar, a Fortwood seminar, where they show it on a screen. But right. there wasn't actually anything in cabinets, was there? I think you yeah. actually have to sit down at a seminar to find out all that. Because I wanted to see the uh, big con dragon again, because we saw that at the open day in January. But we've not really the seen answer, 
much about that since. Yeah, I'm surprised that wasn't there. I'm not sure if, at, if that was just like a one-off sculpt and maybe they're not pr- going to produce it, but it seems crazy not to. One thing what was on that floor, well, they had it on the, both floors, I think, which I really wanted to uh, sit down and watch was the uh, demo pods where that demonstrate painting. Yeah, it looks really cool. Me and Pat went to one, and it was really bad because because it was in the main hall, you couldn't hear anything, which was, I mean, me and Pat were there like five minutes, was it? And then we thought, well, we can't hear anything. Yeah. We, walked up, we couldn't really see was, anything either. The camera they were using and, and the lighting yeah. in the room, and it was quite sort of dull and washed out. So, yeah, you couldn't hear what he was saying. And on the TV the colour he was painting on, like you couldn't actually tell it apart from the black undercoat. So oh, that was a shame. I was looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah so... We mentioned that to someone, uh, one of the community guys as we are on the way out, I think. Yeah. Well, I think he's one of the head guys, actually, Martin. And he was like, right, that's something I'll make a note of. That's it. If you put it in a, just a different room, you could have loads of them in the same room and it'd be fine. Yeah, uh, yeah they just... can't have the kind of background noise um, yeah. kind of washing it all out. Right. I think their attitude last year has been really like encouraging. Like even if stuff hasn't gone well, like they're trying it out and then they're sort of looking to make it better at least. So like yeah. where, where that hasn't worked that well, it's only sort of the first time they've ever done it. So, well, it's I the think... second time. Apparently last year, talking to somebody who'd been, the actual pods were separate on the third floor. So they've obviously tried changing it around and obviously it didn't work this year. So they'll probably go back to the old one. Yeah, because yeah, the, the content looked really good, and it's like if you were sat near the front of him, you would have got a really good, like, informative experience, but it was just a little bit too much in one room, like you say. Yeah. So, hey next year, maybe. Yeah. So that was floor two, pretty much. They had, the Ho- they had the Hobbit section as well, but that was just a showcase again. With a couple of the, they had the games designers around to chat to, but I don't think we really spent much time chatting with anyone because it just wasn't it was, really for us. It was busy, wasn't it? Let's face it, it was busy, which it's going to be. So yeah. it was, unless you were sort of lucky to get the front when it, on a quiet moment, it was difficult to chat to some of them. Or you yeah. or you, you purposely wait around to catch hold of them to chat, which I'm sure a lot of people did. Yeah, but if you wanted to speak there. specifically to someone, the opportunity was there. But yeah. For us... That wasn't the case, really. But as expected, it was very busy. And then top, so that was the second floor, uh, and we went up another floor, which was like dioramas, displays on one half, and Golden Demon on the other. So what was on the right-hand side and the Saturday side? Because it was Golden Demon Sunday, but was there something different on the Saturday? Um. So is that the same floor where it had like the seminar rooms at sort of one end, and then no, yeah. the very top floor where they had the big dioramas and stuff? Okay, yeah. So there was like um, there's just like a massive square of display cases with like loads of different armies in. Yeah, it's uh, the same thing. Yeah, because they, they had the um, golden demon in there on the Sunday, so the oh, stuff, okay, yeah. just different stuff in the cases. Yeah, we had a brief wander around that floor. There was the White Dwarf stall as well on that floor, if I remember. Yeah, we that's really good. We had a really good chat with one of um, their guys about sort of because they've got a battle report coming out next month, like a narrative one with sort of Tau and Orcs. All oh, um, right. And apparently, there's quite a lot 
was quite a lot coming out in there in terms of like some of the mechanics and they were going over like um, some of the stuff with stratagems and the codexes. Let me see if I can find... Yeah, so it looks like the fact and specific rules will be in the index books. Like, so there'll be quite a lot of detail on each of them. Like, like when you've got like the NIDS book now and at the front there's like all the army specific special rules and like uh, psychic powers and stuff. But, yeah, you'll have that in for each army. Yeah, but when you, when you look at like the stratagems, they'll only be in the codexes so that I mean, it's, it's really good that they're going to do, and there's going to be like 20 or so, they say, per codex, 20, like, stratagems. But whether they'll all be for match play or some will be narrative, we will have to see. But, I mean, unfortunately... Who's playing with like, a vibrator? <laughs> yeah, Matt, is that you again? That'll be my... Yeah, my book plug. Um, my next-door neighbour's doing a bit of work, so there might be a bit, a little bit of Sounds like doing a lot of work. What, a bit of work on his missus? What? <laughs> <laughs> Even um, Kate is bored. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, I at the Q&A later as well, they talked about the release schedule for the codexes, and the quote was, like, thick and fast. So, I mean, they are quite conscious, I think, of, and it was raised as well, of, like, the, the codex creep. Because, obviously, if you're the first couple of codexes and you've got all the specific stratagems, it's not hard to see how, like, there might be one or two in there that are significantly sort of worth having over... Because, I mean, the three base ones... So what the the reroll, the counter strike, and um, what's the other stratagem in the, the oh the the battle shock, the morale test? Yeah, we'll and go into detail on those in a bit. Well. There's good stuff for command points, but there's probably in the codex is going to be at least a couple that I like. I'd really say if you're making oh, twenty, yes. there must be something that is yeah exactly better so than the rest. Just, but I mean, it is encouraging. Like so, I mean, if if the current release sort of schedule, if you think maybe you'd get a codex every every few weeks that, I that think there'll be one every couple of months I think they've probably got like no no I reckon it'll be way faster than that honestly I know it'll be one a month my, I reckon the feeling I got would be like at least one a month is my guess but what we've because seen with AOS is like a block of three with yeah, one month or so and then kind it's, of it's going to be totally different to that like the Q&A it is going to be totally different to the AOS style of do a battle because they really want to get it all out quite fast yeah so I'd, I'd probably, at this point, I'd say at least one a month. You might find they'd kind of release them in pairs or something as, as kind of yeah. have sort of campaign stuff that goes with them as well. Exactly. I think, I think like, if you look at sort of the Damocles, they've just reopened that and there'll be, like, Good Guy Tau and Bad Guy Tau and, like, also, like maybe Chaos Tau and all sorts of stuff. And then there's Leviathan, so there's some new fluff for that about how Tyranids nearly killed all the Blood Angels, but then Gilliman and all his... Primaris Powell saved the day. No, that's not the background. The background is the warp rift comes, then or they go, Oh, the Nids have gone. The Imperium's here. What happened to all the Nids? And they find a blood first symbol of skulls on one of the moons. Yeah. So a blood first yeah. saves the blood angels. Yeah. There you go, Chaos. Yeah. <laughs> what was yeah, going so, on there? So I suppose like in terms of the codex releases, I reckon I reckon they will be quite fast. Maybe they'll do like one release a month for that amount of two bucks in. And then, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Golden Demon was good. Yeah, some of the paint Golden Demon was oh, that just was unreal. Awesome. Yeah, yeah there was. I'd seen that before at Adepticon, and it, it was like, yeah. wow, that's really cool. It, Sitting I fresh. Think it was, I think it was second place at Crystal Brush, the Nagash thing. Yeah. 
it's very yeah. very crisp and clean and I looked at it in the painting it doesn't like grab you painting wise it just grabs you like that looks really cool and then you see it in it just looks like it should yeah, be it doesn't look painted yeah as main pat learns obviously anybody can enter and there's some entries which aren't great if you know what i mean but most of them are amazing well what we actually found that normally the painters are standing by their entries to so be careful what you say oh, oh what did you do <laughs> well, no, we, we, we didn't do anything that bad. too bad um the, the worst one was there was um it was the open category for the heavy metal painters so obviously and they all I don't know whether they'd organised it or they were given a specific model, but it was all the Eldar Farseer one, the plastic one. Um, so there would have been, I don't know, 10 or 12 of them. I think there was about 20. There was loads. Maybe there was. Yeah, there were quite a few. Um, but one guy had left his on the sprue and kind of painted it on the sprue and then painted the sprue a bit as well. And um, me and Adam were looking at it and like thinking, oh, it's cool. It's a bit like it's different. It's definitely different. But like you've literally only done half the work there. And the guy was like standing right there, so uh, <laughs> so he kind of he laughed it off, and then Adam asked him whether whether he was going to finish building it once he'd uh, <laughs> once he took it back again. Uh, yeah, he, he, he went a bit quiet after that, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, and, it, and we made a friend. Oh, oh yeah, God, did we oh, a friend? Yeah, try to couldn't, see what we can. Couldn't get away from him. We kept slowly moving along, and he was coming with us. And <laughs> in the end, we missed we missed a few cases to get further away. <laughs> was that me? <laughs> no, it wasn't you. It's no game with a you. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> we always make friends at these sort of events, don't we? Is <laughs> there a friendly bunch? Well, I, I kind of tactically swapped places with Pat. Yeah. So Pat was getting the <laughs> for. <laughs> I thought that was nicely played by me. <laughs> Did you guys see the um, Renegade Chaos Knight that was there? Where it was like half of one of the Forge World Bloodbound monster things, but then like the shoulder pads were. Oh yeah, weak. yeah, I did see that. That one was amazing. And then yeah. the, the same guy had done a banner, which was about six inches long, with a what Bloodbound character was it? One of the slaughter priests with a two-handed axe, but holding a banner instead up on a big plinth, and some of the art. It was artwork on that banner. Yeah, so, so some of the stuff there was totally amazing. Uh, I loved the, the... Remember the one with the water effect base with all the skeletons in the oh, water? Yeah. yeah, it was, it was a hobbit one, was uh, Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was amazing. That was lovely. Oh, yeah, the, the, the diorama, which was the little ninja ogre snotling thing. Yeah. Against yeah, the little good. grot pointing a mushroom at it. It's like a little mini diorama. Oh, superhero grots. That was that was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the other funny thing me and Adam saw the space was... Um, there was... Uh, we kind of got round and we got to this cabinet and we were looking at it and thinking, like, actually, that's not, like, that amazing. I think I could do that. And then you, like, look up at the category and it's the Youngbloods one, so these guys are, like, 15 or younger. It's like, oh... Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah they're much better than us. We took the piss at some of six, haven't we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we can change. paint just as well as a seven-year-old. <laughs> Did you see the uh, squad of Space Wolves? The, um, the Femrisic the Wolves. Like, one was purple, one was red, yeah. one was blue, one was green. Yeah, but wasn't that yours? Like, sprayed. Could have been. 
<laughs> no, because mine would have all been th- the same. They would rainbow. all have been pink. Or rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> I applied for rain soon. But uh, it is good that anybody can put um, your entry in. And I just realised. I've missed a trick there. I could have put some lovely converted no. hybrids on. We were, we, and me and Adam literally said that you, like you wouldn't expect to see Simon's Simon's jeans dealer colour in here, would you? I really think next year we all should enter summer. I could have got it in the young bloods category. Just pretend it was like you know an imaginary nephew <laughs> or something. Isn't it? No, but now you've seen that lot. Like, sort of, there's, there's quite a mixed standard of entries in. I think we, for the laugh, we all should put some in. And you we say that, Adam, but you'd be like in with a shout, right? Yeah, your lot of change is stunning. Whereas we'd all just be like down in the scrub, the scrub um, <laughs> cabinet. Well, you're so stunning; it'll get some looks, but it wouldn't get a, it wouldn't get a, a, a sticker. Which I'd, I'd give it a sticker. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but I've yeah, and model, but to be honest, I think what you find as well looking, I mean, there was some stuff with stickers which we think means it was selected for the next round or not nominated and you look at it and we thought well how's that got a sticker and I think the judges are looking for a lot different to what we are yeah if they're looking at the technical side more I think yeah so sometimes when we look at something and we're just looking at like the basic paint and whatever and the judge is going to see something completely different to what we do yeah we're looking at oh that looks cool or not and they're looking at Oh, how have they done that effect? What, what's this? What have they used to do that? Yeah. And, well, there was that. Um, there was that Magnus I shared, um, and we'll try and get like a photo of it. And like I sort of showed it in our group, didn't it? and everyone was like, "Oh, it looks okay, but nothing amazing. It just looks airbrushed." But when you find out he'd done it all by hand, it almost like <laughs> raises the quality. Because like that sort of hand painting for the, the blending. blending, that is really, really technically difficult. Yeah. Well, one thing I will say for what I observed, if anybody is looking to enter next year, is, I mean, me and Pat said at the time, it looks like some of them have spent maybe three times the amount of time doing the base and painting the model. Yeah. And when you look at some stuff, which is very basic base, and the model's painted lovely, which wasn't really getting the stickers. So the really make right. a good job on your base. Well, it says, it's what Gary always says, isn't it? Faces and bases. Like, that's the key to sort of getting the, the standout look almost. Has Gary ever yeah, said that? Yeah, it's the bases, bases. Yeah, Gary, Gary, not Morgan, Gary Percival. I've yeah, never I, heard that. I've never heard that yeah, either. No, yeah, I've been speaking to him quite a lot about, like, painting and stuff. Cause after, oh, I must send him a condolence card. I'm trying to up my game, basically. And, uh, yeah, he's like, just remember faces and bases, so. So yeah, the golden demon was isn't it, isn't it boobs and arse? <laughs> yeah, that makes it up. Uh, yeah, it depends. Yeah. So I think we'll leave that there. <laughs> um, some of the dioramas were ace though. Obviously, the best use of cotton wool ever. Oh yeah. A massive Caradron's table. Yeah. So yeah. the sky dwarfs. For anyone who doesn't know what Caradron Overlord is. They had a board which was a load of the flying ships against uh, like vampire counts, flesh eaters, guys. Where the board itself was about three, four inches thick, would you say, with cotton wool? Yeah. 
that to give it the effect of it being in the clouds and they had like ships half in and out of them and they weren't on flying stands in some cases they were just kind of stuck on by models or a grappling hook or I just thought that board was amazing you can it's tell funny you say that about the flying stands because I'm in a Karadron Overlords chat on WhatsApp and one of the big things that sort of and on Twitter as well that's come out is like especially the really big ship the Ironclad is that the flying stand struggles to hold it a little bit right yeah because we're seeing these new curved flying stands yeah. on some of the 40k stuff as well now aren't we yeah so it needs a bit more support potentially I just think in the future, in the future, you won't have stands. It would just float. <laughs> get some magnets. Yeah, I've seen people do that with X-wing. They just get little floating ships. The uh, the cool. other cool thing in that room as well was um, got to look at the new new dread that that's not even been not really. Yeah, actually, got that... pictures of that yet. There was some pictures shown in one of the seminars, but yeah, yeah. I think that was the only new thing shown, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, a good point. That, yeah, that that was announced good. Saturday. No, there's a new tank as well, which got shown on the Sunday in the background. Okay, that, got, that got shown on the pictures, didn't it? Yeah, but I think the Dread was shown on pictures Saturday, but they had the models on Sunday. Oh, right. I didn't see any pictures of the models from Saturday. Did you so, see what you're saying? Sorry. so what you're saying, we should have gone today to see the tank? Yeah. Oh, is, that that, is that that picture with the tank in the background? Yes. Um, I I don't remember seeing it like personally, but it wouldn't be surprising if it was just there sort of all weekend and people just took a second to notice it. It was, I think it was whenever they started previewing the Leviathan Dread and they did the first photo of it at the Q&A on Saturday. I think it was with the Primaris Marine Dread. Yeah, yeah sorry, not Leviathan. Yeah, that's what I meant. The the ugly Leviathan. And that was actually as it's been dubbed. quite nice. I quite like it, yeah. Uh, like, I think that's one where a lot of people are saying it's really cool, but a lot of people see the pictures and saying I'm not sure. But actually holding the model look at it, I really liked that. There's a lot of posability to it. Uh, they were saying else. you've got kind of ankles, knees, elbows, hands like the compared to the old head, dread, you can do much head, more. Head, shoulders, knees and toes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was overheard the guy who designed it talking about it as well saying they tried to make it as customizable as possible. So the pictures that came out were models of doing in a quite static pose where it's actually very versatile kit. And you could see that the way some of the joints went on it. It had a lot of op- options and it'd be nice to actually see the kit and have a play with it. But I think you can make some really cool looking dreads out of that. You could make a nice base for Golden Demon. Uh, Magnus already comes with one on his base. <laughs> now rip up that big dread, put it in bits from standard model on it. Look cool. Yeah, for all you marine haters out there. Yeah. Down with Lego bricks, as Gaz Jones would say. <laughs> but that pretty much sums up Warhammer Fest, I think. Unless anyone else has got any other bits to add. No. Um, well, this is probably the 40k Q&A. I'd probably go over that a bit. Yeah, so I tried to like live Twitter points, so I basically go through because that's all I took for notes. Um, so the Age of Sigmar app War Scroll Builder, the web app, 
they're going to integrate that into the Warhammer community site soon and then want to port it over to 40k once they've got it up and running. That'd be amazing because yeah, so, a good tool for AI. Yeah, and that implies as well then that most of the rules and points for stuff will be free. Yeah. Well, I, I think even in general's handbook, you've got the root, the points there, but then what's we build it? It doesn't show you all the rules or anything, does it? It's literally just your basic points. So you still need the books. Yeah, yeah you will still need a lot of stuff. But so it'll be interesting to see if for 40k, for example, they just use the power rather than the points. Um, the other thing, they're going to do a live FAQ submission form on the website because they've said they really like the community sending in FAQs, but it's a bit clunky, the system that they got, where they just ask on Facebook. So they want to yeah. try and formalise like an FAQ request thing, and almost like you get like a live ticket and then someone tries to respond to you quickly, but it'll or sort of maybe it points you in the right direction automatically. So I'll be really, really interested to see what they do with that. They may end up doing it like an automated web form you fill in. Which if Yeah, you, that's, that's what they've said they're going to do, yeah. Search, but the thing is, you probably get asked the same question 20 times. Yeah, so it's, I mean, there's really nice... filter that. There's really nice stuff you can do with like... Um, like chatbots and sort of machine learning things to try and take in, oh, someone's used the word shooting and the word like multiple and the word like units here. Yeah. So you can sort of fuzzy match. Um, here are the most common responses to questions about those, basically. So, I mean, if and if you build something like that, it'll be an amazing resource. So yeah, that's we, what I'd, I'd be hopeful to see. Something yeah, like probably managing expectations, though, I reckon, because that, that's hard to build. Um I think it's whether they'll have to build that up over time with the question. Yeah, yeah. It, it takes time to train the sort of what people are asking, what they want. Um, the, in terms of new races, it's just the Primaris Marines for now. But they, they sort of, you know, said there is a lot of scope in 40k. Um, Blood Angels and all the other chapters will get cataphracty armor and stuff like that, just just in case anyone was not sure. So it does look like they're probably standardizing the rollout. Um, for Flyers... There are still some turning restrictions for certain flyers, but they will. It seems like they'll be on the data sheets now. If I had to yeah. guess, it'd be stuff that's got like supersonic. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well. So like the ones, for example, as a total guess. Um, and also, in terms of save modifiers, obviously in 40k at the moment we have the no save can be better than two plus. So you have the really bizarre instances where depending on whose turn it is, that makes your save different. Because if yeah. it's your turn, you can apply the negatives before the positives. Whereas now, you do all the modifiers before the no better than 2+. plus, um, Which is just a much better system. There will be a general's handbook, and they're quite confident that the new 40k will be some of the most balanced they've ever done. And it's also the closest Forge World have ever worked with the Rules Studio in terms of design balance. That's positive. Um, That's good, yeah. Yeah. So I actually heard that there won't really be many rules of one in match play from the start, but they might, but not all of them. And there's actually some stuff like literally right at the moment, just just been sent like through one of the groups I'm in. And basically um, for match play, the only rules of one are psychic focus, which is, which is except for smite, each power can only be done once per turn. And then strate <laughs> strategic oh, discipline, well. which is the same stratagem, cannot be used uh, by the same player more than once during any single phase. So that mainly impacts the re-rolls one, 
But also, yeah. if you wanted, you could burn all your... So, say you've got, like, six phases per turn. If you wanted, you could do the Maelstrom one, like, three or four times. And the Tactical Reserves thing, which we'd already been told about, you know, no more than half. Um, the next bit of the sort of Q&A... So, there's no real modification of battlefield roles anymore. Instead, you should be using the different detachments. And there's probably some characters and chapter tactics that might add command points. So, like, for example, like, if I had to guess... a Gilliman. Good, well, yeah, Gilliman or Sicarius, right? Or Autarchs. The Avatar. Strategy. I wouldn't say the Avatar, but I guess the Autarch for Eldar probably would. Because they have, like, yeah. the strategy as a rule. And that modifies reserve roles, so you need something... And also Ultramarines, because someone asked about chapter tactics into the Q&A, and basically what they said was um, the how chapter tactics reflect the IP, we're still looking to make them play the same way, but with totally different rules mechanics. Right. So, like, my guess is that Ultramarines won't have reroll ones for everyone anymore, but they might get, like, more command points, because that represents the tactical flexibility. That's yeah, that'd be... Tra- Chaos Traitor Legions, Chaos, uh, Thousand Sons, and obviously Death Guard are basically confirmed as factions, and it looks like there'll be more to come, and also some more ways to use legions in the codexes. Um, and there are about fifteen codexes in, de- in development at the moment. Um, yeah, then I think on, we've seen the legion keyword on some of their stuff. Yeah, we'll yeah. Go over it a little bit more, haven't we? Is... So sorry, I mean fifteen total codexes. Sorry about that. Um, like for all of 40k. Then in terms of army construction, so there was quite a good few questions on that. So if you've seen the new detachments, you know there's one that lets you have a minus one command point, but in exchange, you can basically break your restrictions on a detachment and take one of any choice. Yeah. And they clarified that the minimum command points your army will have is zero. If you would, so say you took like one detachment and your total army was four command points, and then you took five of these auxiliaries, it would bottom out at zero, but you could still keep taking more if you wanted. So it doesn't like make the army illegal or anything. That sounds a bit like Unbound, but you're missing out on some benefits from it. Yeah, and, and I mean, the command points, they look like really valuable. Then there was a really big thing on allies and army com- composition, so it's probably worth taking like a few seconds on this. So in match play, all detachments... So, so within a detachment, you have to share a faction keyword. And then all of your detachments must also share a faction keyword. So that's like really big for non-imperials. So like, so the example I sort of gave and got like, yeah, exactly. So say your army, you pick the Imperium faction keyword, you get the Imperium special rules. But then your first attachment of Blood Angels um, can use the Blood Angel specific rules. And the second attachment of Dark Angels can use the Dark Angel specific rules. But only, obviously, so say you've got specific stratagems for each Blood Angel and Dark Angel. You can use any of the army's command points on either detachment, but you can only use the stratagems for the faction keyword detachment, if that makes sense. It's a little bit, yeah. And so obviously it really affects, like, yeah, you can't have, like, Tau and Necrons, for example, or Taudar anymore. So they're they're basically completely gone. Yeah, because Tau won't share any. Yeah, we've seen from the faction focus. No, we've seen... No, we've seen from the faction focus, the only keywords Tau have are like Tau and then the Sept as well. So maybe you could take an army of three Tau detachments, each from a different Sept. But they each then, get their own buffs. 
and you get yeah, so you, yeah, you might have set specific buffs. So maybe you could take a far sight detachment, and you could take like a violar, and you could take like a well, just a basic tower one. Um, yeah, so that was really, really interesting. And then the last thing is that like Mortarian is the next Primarch as well. He is very soon apparently. Yay! I like that one. Wrong. And then, yeah, that was just about it from the Q&A. So it was really good. It was about 45 minutes. The only feedback was probably that they could have done with microphones. Because oh, they were shouting at you. That well, was an in room, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a quite a big room. Um, and I think, like, maybe some of the tech didn't quite work properly and they, they would have liked to have microphones, but they weren't available or something. But I just, like, in future, obviously, I think there's something need to make sure they, they get in because there were a couple of people around me because we were sat quite close to the back. And there were a couple of people nearby who couldn't quite like make it everything they were saying. Imagine Adam and Mike would have struggled as well, but that's just age, really. So, can't argue. Yeah. Yeah, that was Warfest. I thought it was a good day out in general. It, I wouldn't pay more than twenty quid. It wasn't a fifty quid games day event, no. but for twenty quid. I can't complain too much. No, no, like you say, it was a good day out. Yeah, I mean, half hour from me, so that was fine. Enjoyed catching up with some people. Got to look at some cool stuff. So, yeah, I think overall it was good. Enjoyed it, but there's lots of room for improvement. Yeah, that's definitely... I'd like to go again. I think I would still go again next year. But you're putting in a Golden Demon next year. Yeah, true. We better start painting it now. Adam, how much to commission paint something? <laughs> I'll ask Duncan. Good, I, good shout. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen there's like um, a screenshot of Duncan's Twitter where his like sister... Um, yeah, yeah. Says, like, um, <laughs> so apparently my brother is a massive meme on the internet and he won't even give me a retweet. <laughs> did you not see the response to that does he uh, what, it, was what some, it? it was something like um, do, does he always tell you to wear two thin coats instead of one thick one oh, yeah <laughs> and is this this is this just like uh, what you need to explain this <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, he's just he's just the like the pin up for games workshop now isn't he he's yeah. just like yeah. he, he needs to ask for a rise now because they can't Sort of can't. can't, get rid can't. Of him. He's unsackable now. <laughs> and he's a, he was going around just chatting to people and stuff all weekend. And yeah. I remember you looked to him in, back in November an event, didn't you? Ask. He's just a really yeah. nice guy. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, mean oh, uh, opponent was playing IRS and he come over and just says, "Oh, I'd like to um, congratulate you both and your armies. Are really nice looking." And instead of playing the game, we sat we sat there chatting to Duncan for about 30, 40 minutes. In the end, we ran out of time to play the game because we just was enjoying chatting to Duncan. It was a yeah, really nice yeah, guy. Like, Rob Symes is the same from Warhammer TV. He's just if you ever get to chat with him or anything, he'll just sit and chat. He's a proper friendly guy. He'll happily sit and just chat Warhammer or anything else with you for a while until he gets called away. So I think they've got a good group around that Warhammer community team now and they're doing a really good job at that. Everything seems to be positive that's coming out of it. But, yeah, 
that seems to sum up Warhammer Fest and all that other nonsense around it. I think everyone's gone silent because we're reading some new match plays. Yeah, sorry. Um, one of my friends has just sent me um, through another channel just to admit um, a bunch of rules for match play. Um, there's a few more photos of the books coming out. So that's where that rule of one restriction came from. Um, so let's have a quick scroll through. Yeah, Got sorry. Um, so the first well, one is that match play. Then there's... Um, Basically, the night fight rules now they are like a flat hit penalty, so not to twelve, nothing, twelve to twenty-four, minus one, and then so on, minus two or minus three. So if you're at thirty-six or more, when there's night fighting on, it's a minus three hit penalty. So I mean that really, that really, yeah, that really helps combat lists. But then alongside Uh, that stratagem of one command point where you can ignore night fight for your whole army. I don't, does that help combat lists that much? Because if you want to be sitting 36 inches away... It's if you go in second, I suppose. Because you won't be 36, but you might be like 24.1. And then if yeah. anyone... And there's lots of other minus ones. So obviously if, you, if you're planning on moving and shooting heavy weapons, that puts you at like minus two at 13 inches away. Or like the run and shoot assault weapons, that's again minus one, so another hit penalty. So they're all cumulative. Is night fight still a, a role... To get it, um, clear. it looks like yeah, it's not all come out yet, but it looks like it might be. I mean, if I was them, I'd say you know some missions it's turn one, some missions it's one and two, some it's turn six. Um, we will post all these pictures on the AOC page. Have you seen the um, various objectives as well? A couple of them are quite nasty. Yeah, hint hint. So that'll be whether or not we do mysterious. But D three mortal wounds for objective number one. Yeah, the result. That, you don't want your heroes also, going for that, do you? This yeah, also it used to not be very thing. good, did it? Because it was just, it was just a blast. It was. That, it was like three or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a bit yeah. rubbish. You never really cared, but, no. but most of them. Mortals. It looks like most of them are the same, but um, one is now D three mortals for you, and six is D three mortals for the enemy on a five plus. Ah, got the just read it, guys. At the top, it says it's pretty much like the last one. If you are playing mysterious objectives, that's Wait, if you are playing a mission, no, it doesn't say that. It says, oh no, it, it doesn't. Does if it? you're no, playing sorry. a mission with objective markers, but I mean, it'll be for people to decide, right? Because it is like a toolbox. That's box. it. TOs or, will, will choose whether yeah. they're in use or not. And there's also so on reserve. My phone, while I'm on Skype and trying to look at pictures, it keeps yeah. going black. Uh, okay, so, so there's can't for, get a proper okay. look. I'll try setting it to speakerphone. Maybe that's what I've been doing. Um, there's also fog of war so if a unit arrives on the battlefield after the battle has begun roll a dice the first time it does so on a one or a two it's delayed and has to arrive next turn instead so that's not that big a deal until you remember that if anything's not on the battle by the end of turn three it's dead so So you have to turn two no by the end of no it's if you're on yeah so if you try and bring something on turn three and you fail that roll it's dead can you bring stuff on turn one now or not? I've not yeah, really yeah, keeping up with that. Most of it is basically just like pick a turn to come on yeah, and set yeah. stuff up. But do you, but do you have to do that pre-game or can at the start of a turn you can just say, I'm going to bring these guys on? It, well, I think it'll vary unit to unit. There's no standard rules for like it anymore. So if you look okay. at the Lord of Contagion or whatever, he's just got, um, he can be set up in a teleportarium chamber 
put him on the board at the start of any turn. But now, cool. obviously, you've got a roll of three plus to do so. I think that is basically like the Terminator armor deep strike. Because I think Abaddon's got the same wording. Yeah, pretty much all the Terminator stuff will have that, I'd guess. But then you've got the Trigon, which is like, um, again, just pick a turn and then bring a unit. like, And they can all sort of come out of the tunnel next to each other. I mean, there might be some, like, maybe there's a Deathwing thing where, you know, you can you can... You have to pick a turn at the start of the game, but then you don't have to roll, maybe. Yeah, but I think that fog of war is only if you have the night fight another bit. No, it's not. It's totally separate because there's low visibility, and then there's a table, and then fog of war. If you've arrived, there's no mention about when night fighting is on or anything. Oh, yeah, that's so it. Oh, is it? I'm not sure actually. I can't um, see all yeah, of the top. Yeah, so it's cut off. So it says battles in low to zero visibility are a test for a, any general. Um, it means enemies can be nearly invisible. Reinforcements can become uncertain. So maybe that, that seems to be in its own little block with the stratagems below it. Yeah. And now, that's where mysterious we, objectives are as well. So I suppose we'll, we'll have to see, basically. Uh, well, if you actually read it, the stratagem bit says in this battle zone, you and your opponent can both use this command point. So I think this might be like a specific mission thing possibly yeah i think so and if you look there's so there's battle zone fire and fury um so that's the armies clash under a burning sky blah 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 um so it's i suppose it's how these interact with the match play scenarios because there's no like objectives in this it's just like uh so it's almost like the realms in age of sigma yeah these might be more narrative yeah these might be actually which, by the look of the Fire and Fury one, will be fine. Because there's and a the two-command two stratagem. Oh, yeah, Psychic Maelstrom. That looks like slightly more campaign-y. Yeah. I, I could be wrong, but that doesn't look like something you'd play in Matched. But no. It, that's, they're quite cool things you could... I think I'd like to see a lot of events run some specific bits and pieces here or there. Yeah, Maybe I think, like, I think like game one... Fight. Game one being low visibility, for example, that would yeah. be really cool. Or right, game one on a Sunday, because then you've got people who are hung over and actually do have low visibility. <laughs> We're just going to take yeah. your glasses off you for a game. Well, you could, yeah, you could do one of the games will do like this. You can't really do it random, but yeah, if you built it into the pack and you just let people know, I think that would be really, really good. Yeah, because I don't think that low visibility is that... You could just say for this event on a four plus that'll be news turn one. Yeah, and it, you've got night fight back in, but yeah, exactly. So, so maybe that's the type of thing. And I mean, if it's that big a deal to your army, it's only one. If it's only for one turn, it's only one command point to totally ignore it. Yeah, so it's not causing much issue. Yeah. Um, what else have we got? So, there's a bit about core and advance rules, but that basically just says. Um, you know, you can either use the sort of narrative points and just sort of the basic missions, or you can do the fancy General's Handbook match play stuff. Um, then there's the Warlord traits. So cool. is the Warlord. Um, if you're Warlord, you choose any model. If it's a character, you can use a trait. Um, so my, there's only a D3 table here, and it doesn't say strategic or anything. It just says Warlord traits, D3, 1 to 3. I so I guess it's a Faction ones, yeah. Yeah. But I don't think there'll be that many in the core rules. Um, 
so you can either choose or roll. So there's Legendary Fighter. If you charge, you get plus one attack. Or Friendly Units within six, get plus one leadership. Or when you lose a wound on a six, you shrug off the damage. My like thought is that the last one is really good. I've or the one before it. it. Yeah, so it depends on your list. Like, I think, I think it depends got... on who your general is, because sometimes you don't really care about the wounds because they're hiding yeah. in a squad or something. But like, if I'm playing Tyranids and I've got the Swarm Lord, I don't really need the leadership because of the, the synapse, because that was in yeah. the it's immunity. So I'd probably take, for his 12 wounds on a 6, he shrugs it off, that puts him basically two extra wounds, right? Yeah, anything or like this, big, that's the extra, the extra wound. Yeah. Orcs, maybe, depending on how their buffs work for and I mean, may want him, the extra leadership yeah. buff. Orcs, it seems like mob rule is going to be the number of models in your um, in your unit is can be used as their morale. Yeah, so that's If you've got I a think. unit of 20. You might find it maxes out at 10 or something, though. No, no, it doesn't anymore. No characteristics max out, so that's definitely not the case. So, like, if you've got a unit of 30, once you kill 10 of them, they're still morale 20. So they don't care. So you have to kill... If you kill 13 in one go, they could lose one guy if they rolled a... Or they could lose a couple of guys if they roll, like, a 6. But if you kill all 20 of them... They're still basically all. If you kill twenty at thirty, they're still basically all dead. So that, that's a nice mechanic because you, you're immune to the small arms yeah. fire for, for your big art units. But if they do get dwindled, Easy, a if, lot, they, if then... they're not fearless though, if you've got a unit of thirty, you only need to kill like fourteen for the all yeah, to but, die. But yeah, with with mob well rule, fifteen, you, but yeah, well if you know if you kill fifteen, their morale is fifteen then. So they're losing another D6. Oh, no, yeah, true. Yeah. No, but right. then that, there's the war boss, still really which is, good. yeah, the war boss in range, which it looks to be like, um, instead of taking a battle shock test, you can lose D3 mortal wounds or something like that, or D3 models die, but in return, you automatically pass the test. And you've got the command point to pass as well, right? So say yeah, some others. A lot of buffs to yeah. get around it. Um, and then lastly, there's a bit of the new Maelstrom cards. Um, so what we're seeing is like 32 to 36. So in, in normal 40k, not ETC special cards, these were 11 to 16, 21 to 26, and 31 to 36 were all the same last time. Yeah, they were just, one just... point for Secure Objective X. Now, it looks like those six will each be different, but based on Objective X. So like 32 is you get two victory points if you control objective marker two for the end of two turns. So I wonder if... Well, the end of two consecutive turns, it says. I wonder if one is... So one might be the second point. Two is you capture it for a turn. The 30-odd are for two turns. No, because this is... So this will be two player turns. So this is if I capture it in... If I hold it at the end of your turn... And then I hold at the end of my turn, I'll get the point. Oh, what I'm saying is that because these all after two turns, I wonder if like 11 to 16 are, you capture it. Then 21 to 26 are, you capture it for X turns. And then this is just... Yeah, like, well, I, wonder if, I wonder if 21 to 26 is a bit like some of the um, Supremacy Maelstroms. So like maybe it's you get two points if you kill an enemy unit that was on Objective X and then control it yourself. Or you yeah, just take it off the enemy. You know, if score two points if the enemy was holding objective one and now they don't. Or score a point for that, you know. 
something like that. So that's really encouraging as well. Um, it's a lot less random, hopefully. Yeah, because before they looked like they might have been D3 points, right? But now it's just two. Yeah, so a lot of my feed. issues with Maelstrom was you couldn't really plan because it was stuff like cast a psychic power, kill X unit, yeah. do that. But if it's just hold objectives, yeah. do different things to hold. If it's different things around the same concept, you can plan yeah. the concept and adapt to the things it rather looks than like trying at to least do. Half, at least half will be like that then. So in theory, you can yeah reasonably be like, okay, half of the Maelstrom is about objectives. There'll probably be some more about controlling any objectives but at least a few and then there'll be a few that are like kill one of these kill one of those do a this you know do a barrel roll like that type of thing yeah they're just little extras yeah rather than the main yeah Yeah. so that's some actual breaking news and we'll put that up on the podcast page as well and then some of the other leaks maybe yeah, we've had a lot of the actual rulebook since yeah. we last did the podcast. So, so on the AOC Facebook page, there's a core rules post, and it should be in order as well. So it's starting to core rules, um, the six phases, movement, psychic, shooting, charge, fight, and morale. Um, there's coherency is two inches still, and they've slightly changed the vertical coherency. So before, if you ever played an ETC game with ruins you'd know you could, like, as long as you put the middle guy in your unit on the different level of a ruin, either side yeah. of him could be six inches away, whereas now that's no longer the case. It just means horizontally they have to be within two inches, but he can stand on the top level. He's got inches. a bit extra vertically. Yeah, yeah. Um, movement, basically the same. We all know about falling back, so you can leave combat but um, at any time you like, but you can't advance or shoot. Um, you can, but you can shoot if you have the fly keyword. But you're minus one, is it? No, there's, there's no modifiers, but it'll depend what like weapon you have. So there, there seems like there could be some really cool lists that either have lots of flying combat stuff or flying shooting stuff to either, you know, get out of combat and be fine or constantly tie up the enemy. I'm sure I saw s- there was something which you could retreat out, but you were at minus one still. It might be in the fly special bit faster. So, this is, so fly is only mentioned with terms of the movement for now. Um, some models, so some flyers will have two movement values and they're like max and minimum. So if you, and if you can't go at least the minimum, you're dead. Which is brutal, but like good. Um, have, you, have you guys seen what's just appeared in the Skype chat there? We've, no. got, a, we've got the standard deployment maps. Um, so we've got six six deployment types. Um, there's, there's actually all the missions are out now as well. There's a lot more stuff. I'll, I'll take yeah. a picture and throw it in the WhatsApp for you. Um, but uh, so yeah, we've got Spearhead Assault, which is a new one. Dawn of War, which is the same as it was. Um, can't see the name on the bottom two, but it's a sort of quarters. Um, then Hammer and Anvil, which is the same as it was. Frontline Assault, which is a slightly quirky Dawn of War. And then the last one is Vanguard Strike in the corners like it like it was. Frontline uh, Assault, though, that's only 18 inches apart in the middle, right? Yeah, so same, real... same with uh, Spearhead Assault as well. Yeah. I love that bottom one because it reminds me of Fifth Third. Yeah. That is cool. Um, wow, okay, brilliant. 
these weird point-to-point ones, are in, they'll be quite odd. I reckon for the first two or three months, those are going to be really annoying. Well, yeah. I, I think people will just, like... I think you'll just sort of get used to them, basically. Because, like, what they'll mean is that combat armies, or some armies will want all the objectives in the middle, right? So it adds another layer to objective placement. So if you want to... If you want to be charging across the board fighting, you want to put like sort of three or four objectives in like a little diamond around there. Whereas if you're shooting, you want them all to be like far away near either side where the distance is much bigger. Because yeah, I think they'll be great, but I think just while people get used to them, it's going to be a bit of a. Because uh... it's not even 12 inches, it's like nine inches from the middle in the middle of the line. And, and then only six 12... inches from the board. No, it's six inches from the board at the end. So it's oh, quite, I was it's, looking at one of them is 12, one of them is 6, depending which way yeah. around you're going. Yeah, it's the quite old, a narrow sort of... So the Hammer and Anvil one is now only 12 inches on from your end, but then you can go 9 inches away if you're right at the centre. So it's yeah, really, it's a bit ahead of sort. So, I mean, as six deployments, I'm really looking forward to a six-game tournament playing, like, one of each of these. That's awesome. That's really cool. They could make really interesting uh, missions on each one, I think. I think some missions on different deployments, you'll be completely different games. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I think, I think like it might almost be worth trying to avoid fixing the deployments and the missions together. Yeah. Because, like you say, the one if you've got like if the missions are anything similar and you've got like what Emperor's Will, that's really different on well, just the two different types for Hammer and Anvil. Yeah. Like the the two different long ways ones and the two different diagonal ones as well you've got what is vanguard strike and then the old table quarters one well, the I think... good thing is we get to play vanguard strike less because that was always a nightmare to set up yeah <laughs> we i think we'll see days. events will set the missions together but hopefully they won't all just copy each other well that was it yeah it won't be the same yeah. pairings well, as it were yeah, yeah i hope so we'll have to see like sort of how that looks um so that's some more stuff then there's. Why we put, do you, someone want to put this picture on while we're chatting and be live breaking news on the podcast? So, can, so we'll do it after the podcast finished, so we can like write it up and do a bit more commentary on it, because otherwise it'll be a bit crap to listen to here probably. Um, yeah. So after, so going back to the previous previous rules leaks, we've got so after movement, um, psychic phase. Obviously, everyone can do Smite, which is D3 Mortals at the closest visible unit. So I think you'll see some people trying to be a bit janky and be like, my Psyker can't see that closest crap thing, so I guess it'll have to be your character then. Um, like a bit of a rhino parked in the yeah, way. Yeah, park it to cut off the line of like, It seems like that would be really handy in general in this edition because of all the limitations on shooting characters, um, which we'll get onto in a sec, I suppose. So just to mention Deny the Witch which is now exactly the same as Age of Sigmar. So if you've played any Age of Sigmar, the psychic phase will be really familiar to you. It's just nice and simple. Yeah, you've got... So to make your test, every power has a casting value. You are equal to or higher than that, and it's cast on 2d6. Um, And denying the witch, you can only do it if you've got a psyker, and you roll 2d6, and you've got to beat what they rolled. So say their casting values are 5, and they've rolled an 8, you've got to get 9 or more. We'll see things like... I know in AOS, which I could see porting straight over. You've got Fate Weaver, a lot of change. Their ability is they roll 2d6 as normal, but their lowest dice changes to match the highest. Yeah, and, which, that's, and that's, that's awesome. really good. Yeah. 
So and stuff like Eldrad will probably get plus two. Magnus will probably get plus two. Just well, Eldrad is exactly like that. well. Like where he gets a warp charge back or something, probably be able to cast loads of powers. Uh, perils now as well. If you get a double one or double six on your 2d6 when taking a test, but not when denying, you suffer d3 mortals. If that kills you, well, every unit bad. within six also suffers d3 mortals. So, Suicide bomb into your opponent's army if you're on a last wound. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you've got only one one or two like wounds left with your psyker, he must be casting as much as he can, trying to like blow up his yeah, blow up his brain into like or get dragged into the warp and have a demon like come and, you know, uh go next to them. But that is limited by being able to yeah. cast each spell only once apart from smite. So. Yeah. But I'm also guessing each character will only be able to cast smite once. Well, I reckon Harriman might be able to do three. Yeah, because he's not able to do But I would expect characters to be able to do four or five smites per yeah. character. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. Does it say anything about casting each side more than once here? Um, unless they, they all know smite, blah, blah, blah. They can manifest, blah, 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 blah. Um... Yeah, it doesn't say anything about that. So, and it doesn't say in match play that you could only do smite once per cycle. So we'll see, I suppose. Yeah, that, I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. you could, but I know most are limited to one, maybe two. Yeah, and you do. And well, most people are probably, probably only able to cast one power, I suppose. Yeah. What's interesting with smite is it has to be the closest unit. Yeah, yeah. that's a bit odd. So I think that builds on like the shooting restriction, so you can only target characters that have nine wounds or less, if they're the closest. So I think you'll see people doing, like, using vehicles to block their line of sight to sort of screens or firing other stuff into screens first. Like, and for, certainly for Smite, you could see, like, you know, if, well, if I put my Rhino right in front of my Psycho in the movement phase, so the f- first thing you can see is, I don't know, your Land Raider, I can then cast does, Smite loads of times on that. And Does it say closest visible unit or just closest unit? Um, I think it's closest targetable. So Smite says um, the closest visible enemy unit, and characters say characters only be chosen if they are closest visible enemy unit as well. So it is visible. So yeah, line of sight does yeah. work both. Yeah. Um, in terms of choosing targets and shooting, if you've got lots of guns, you can shoot them all, unless one of them's a pistol, in which case you can't shoot that one, because it's perfectly fine to shoot a heavy bolter, a lascar, and a flamer. But the bolt pistol's a step too far. Yeah, that'd be yeah, OP. You've got to get it out of your sock. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can split fire both within units. So say you've got three guys, each with two guns. They can not only each shoot something separate, each of the guns can shoot something well. But so it makes your tactical squads. So you could yeah, shoot, yeah, you've got but three the, guys with two guns, you can shoot six different units. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and the gun, though, if it's got multiple shots, they all have to be at the same unit. Yeah, so the same in combat, I think. It's just weapons, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, what's next? So, char- so resolving attacks and stuff, basically the exact same. It's just, obviously, the new wound chart. So you only get the two plus if you're double and six plus if you're half. Um, cover is just a bonus to saves. Invuns, they work like now. If the AP will cut through your army, you can take your invun. But they don't um, work against mortal wounds. Which, yeah. Which I is, think you'll see things like you'll see power fields and 
but it'll be rare to have mortal wound saves. Well, I think the only thing that will work against mortal wounds is like sort of plague marines, disgustingly resilient. That, for example, works against mortal wounds because it only Does triggers it? the damage. Yeah, because yeah. it triggers against damage. So if you think of like the attack sequence, it's like um, hit, wound, save, damage, and mortal think... wounds deny you basically the save step. But then the biggest thing works against the, the damage step, so you're okay. Biggest thing with mortal wounds is it carries over to other models. Where normal yeah. Yeah. Massive as well. So yeah. in Age of Sigmar, most damage attacks, if you've got damage six, you kill three two wound guys, whereas in 40k you'll just kill one. So Your last wounds. wounds. I'm just yeah, going, so that one guy dead, that one guy yeah. dead, that one guy whereas, dead. Whereas your mortal wounds, like your smite, if you get your d6 wounds with your high casting value, which might actually make Araman really good thinking about it. Because if you roll a 10 or more, Smite does D6 wounds. Yeah, we, so we were saying as well... Get, if you get uh, a good number, that carries, kills, like, say, four guys if you roll four. We were saying as well, it'd be interesting to see how damage is allocated, whether you can kind of manipulate the order. Um, so do you mean to if, units when they take damage? Yeah, so yeah. Say, say, you, say you've got uh, two models and they both have four wounds, and somebody's got something that does D6 damage and they roll a one, a two, and a six... Okay, so this came up in our game, actually, in our demo game. Um, so what happens is you allocate the attack to... A, you allocate, like, the the failed save, if you like, to the model. Oh, and then that you... model takes D6 damage. That's quite so good. So say that, a Primaris Marine... Yeah, so say a Primaris Marine takes a Lascan hit, and he takes the hit, and then it does D6 of his wounds. That works, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So cover saves, obviously, just bonuses to saves so actually they're quite valuable because some stuff now has a seven plus save which yeah, is different to no save yeah the start so if, box. You've got, if you've got no save cover doesn't help you it's but if you've got one. if you've got a seven plus save cover does help you because it gives you a six plus yeah it doesn't cover doesn't create saves it just adds to existence basically yeah, yeah. um then weapon types so assault weapons you can run and shoot Big news, but if you do the run and shoot, you're at minus one to hit. Heavy weapons, you can move and shoot, but again, you're at minus one to hit. Rapid fire is just the same, double at half range. Grenade, so one model per unit can throw any one of the grenades they're armed with. And again, that's in addition, so your tactical squad, you know, you've got your guy with your, he's going to shoot a flamer, someone's going to shoot a missile launcher, some guys are going to shoot bolters, and one of the bolter guys is going to throw a grenade as well, rather than instead. And then you've got pistols, which you can shoot at pistol. You can shoot pistols if you're in combat. That's quite good. Um, but you have to target the closest enemy unit. So if you're in a multiple combat, all your pistol guys have to shoot the ones that are closest to them. Um, and yeah, if you've got a pistol and another weapon, you can either shoot with a pistol or all its other weapons. So all pretty simple. Which and um, yeah. It's I mean, nice little changes to the current stuff to make it. Yeah, right. We were able to easy. run through basically all of it in like a few minutes. That's it. Then. That's all the different weapons. Yeah, and then there's charge phases and Overwatch. So um, any of your units within twelve can charge. Once you, once I pick, so it's a bit different to Sigma again in that once you pick a unit you're charging with, you then have to pick all their targets, and anyone picked as a target gets to overwatch which is a flat six is to hit um but anything that auto hits still does all those auto hits now which is quite different to how the snapshot mechanic used to work um and also if 
So if you charge with your first unit and after Overwatch it dies, and then you charge with your second unit, they can be Overwatched again by the same unit. So you've got to be quite clever in how you set up your charges now. Um, and then the only other thing is you can't use your charge move to go within an inch of something that you aren't declaring as a target. But when you choose someone to fight within the fight phase, you get a three-inch pile-in, and that does work. But you have but, to go closest to the nearest enemy model with the pile-in. So yeah, there's implications it, it, on your pile-ins. But. It doesn't say you're fixed either. So what I want to know, it doesn't say what happens when you get in base contact. So when you're in base, can you rotate around the enemy base? Okay, so you mo- so pylon the rule says you may move each enemy mo- move each model in the unit up to three inches this can move can be in any direction so long as the model ends the move closer to the nearest enemy model so if you're already base to base with a model you can't move so that you're closer to it so you wouldn't be able to pylon so the trick is getting tagged in base to base but if if you were like a millimeter away you could use your three inch pylon to rotate round the back, for example, mm. and then you might be half a millimetre away, but then you might be like a quarter millimetre from another unit, if that makes sense. So, so if we're saying in base, whatever, even if you move the same distance, you're not moving closer. Yeah, you can't get because, closer than base to base. Yeah, exactly. So it's all about, and I think for like competitive games especially, it'll be quite important to make clear to people when stuff is base to base, so, for example, with like some Hormagaunts charging, I some Terminators, you'd have to say, look, these five guys are all base-to-base with your Terminators, so you can't pile in. And you probably have to do that when you do the charges or when you do your own pile-ins, just to like avoid confusion, just better to stay up front, really. Cause obviously oh, you, you can't break coherency and pile-in anymore. Yeah, which is also quite a big deal. Um, so, again, like I think combat like would be quite brutal and... There's sort of quite a lot of nuances to learn about how to sort of optimise stuff and tie stuff in. And I think that would make it like a really interesting phase, whereas now it's basically like either two units of chaff beating each other up forever um, or someone getting stomped or a Death Star like wiping a load of stuff out. Um, and there's also a little reworking of heroic intervention. So because challenges have gone... Um, if one of your characters is within three inches of an enemy unit at the end of the charge phase, so at the end of the enemy's charge phase, if one of your characters is within three inches of any of them, that char- character can make an immediate three-inch pylon as well. We've just seen some of the other missions as well, and they seem to be the same. There's a lot of the Maelstrom, you've got Spoils of War. Oh, could you WhatsApp those? They're on your Facebook, mate. We've got contact lost. We've got skill control. Let's have a read if it's the same. Players roll off. Rolls highest turns, which the standard deployment maps will be used. So you roll off to pick who, which deployment battle you're going to use. Which that works. You could maybe that will stay in match play as well. well. We'll have to see how events go with that. And then they also pick one of the deployment zones on the map and then their opponent uses the other. So you get to pick what deployment and your side. And on one use... What was that? On one roll-off, sorry. Yep. Players roll-off, whoever rolls highest, turns which of the standard deployment maps is used in the battle. 
and picks one of the deployment zones on the map for their army. Wow, okay. Uses the other deployment zone. Then, starting with the player who chooses the deployment zone, each player sets up a single objective marker anywhere in their own deployment zone. Center of an objective marker cannot be within six of any edge of the battlefield. Which I can see that changing potentially because the center of an objective isn't a fixed point, but we may just not get used to it. Then, players alternate deploying their units one at a time, starting the player who sets up their objective marker last. They must be within their own deployment zone. Duh. Continue setting up until both sides have set their army. Player who finishes setting up their army first can choose to take the first or second turn. If they decide to take their first turn, the opponent can roll a dice on a six and has to seize the initiative and they get the first turn instead. Why? Okay. We've still got random game length. The end of game, turn five, carries on a three plus, the end of six on a four plus. But the most victory points is the winner. At the end of the game, each objective max with three victory points to play who controls it. They have more models than three of the central objectives than their opponent. So slay the warlord, you got first blood, you got line breaker. Mm. Scouring. Let me see at a glance. So just quickly in the Maelstrom one, so there's that contact loss mission. Um so there's a three command point stratagem there to generate Oh, so if you've got less than six. So contact loss is the one where you generate for everything you control, I think. Yeah, so you can and, keep and there's generating without controlling. Yeah, but that's three command points. But then in the Maelstrom objective rules, there's a two command point stratagem. Oh, to discard and get a new one. Okay. Yeah. So that gives you an extra versus... Okay, that's really cool. So I'm just glancing at the scouring. You've got six objectives... Do, do, do. Oh, it's slightly different. Why is one of them special? The superior objective marker is worth four, or the inferior objective marker is worth one, and all of them are worth two. Where does it say about... Random set one of the objective markers to be the superior. So you basically got a four, a one, and the rest are worth two. <laughs> one thing uh, I think we've pointed out, have we? In the rules, it says you've measured from the centre of the objective, which will have to change. Yeah, that's what I mentioned. I think we'll either get used to it, or we'll just measure from the edge. Because if you've got, say, two-inch diameter objective marker, you just measure two inches to the edge. Yeah, I think so. I think I, I think that'll be interesting. I think because so what we do like now for ETC comp, isn't it? We'd, like you have to have forty mil objectives. So as long as you standardise the size of the objective marker, I think it's quite easy to just say measure to the edge of the marker rather than the middle. Yeah, because you've got a defined edge. Yeah, exactly. So it's no different. I, I like what they're doing because obviously sometimes you do see like people with quite sort of big objective markers or small ones, and then it causes some issues for people. So I, I really like their effort to standardise. Yeah, uh, AOS, I'd never heard of it before. People measure to the centre. It's like, oh, some do the centre, some do the edge. It's like, oh, really? Yeah. Um, just going back to that turn order thing as well. So does that mean then that the roll off at the start, one person picks the um, battlefield, the type of deployment zones and where they go and yeah. sets the objective, the first objective, but then yeah. the other player gets to go first? Gets to set up the first unit. Oh, and then you do. Oh, you alternate then you got, units. Then oh, you alternate. 
oh, you're always alternating units now as well. Wow, okay. That's good. I like that. And who else is setting up gets to go first. Wow. Sorry, I glazed over that. I was busy like, okay, wow. Mm. So that's, we found that in AOS as well. Yeah, but there's no like, but there's no, we've seen so far, like battalion drops. No. Let's hope not. Because obviously in AOS, for anyone who plays that, you'll know about the infamous like one drop or two drop lists. So you take a big battalion with basically all your army in. And then you can finish deploying first against pretty much everyone and then always get the choice. Whereas now it looks like that's much harder to do. Yeah, it affects your list building a lot. Because you look at going, right, I want to take this, this and this. But that's going to put me on 12 units, for example. Ooh, but what if I only want 10 because I want the chance of going first more or things like that. Advantages and disadvantages to both, which makes it really interesting. That shouldn't have been allowed in iOS, so let's hope they've learned and they don't lay it into the yeah. full okay. I wonder if there's any way you can use command points to offset that. Maybe going forward, but nothing I've, that we've seen. Yeah, nothing yet. I've seen so far. But I wonder if, like, you know, you can spend a command point to, like, count as having finished one unit earlier, if that makes sense. No, I, I don't think so. I'm a little disappointed to see these missions again. But we know they work and they're fine. But I was quite excited to see what new stuff they'd come up with as well, That's... or if they'd go back and reuse some of the older ones. So the, I think they have got a few different ones. So like Retrieval Mission, for example. Um, Eternal Wars, Secure and Control. That's the one objective each, right? Yes. Um, whereas Retrieval Mission, um, there's four objectives, each worth three points. Okay, so that's a bit like Crusade, but with a fixed number. Again, in fact, that's basically directly lifted from the ETC pack, that mission. Um, Possibly, yeah. Then there's the Maelstrom Cloak and Shadows. That was there anyway, but because they're hidden, we normally events over here didn't play it, just to eliminate any prospect of dodginess with people swapping around because you don't know what your opponent's actually got there. But that mission um, is in the darkness, I think. Which means you don't see your opponent's cards. Yeah. Basically, you keep your tactical objective cards secret. Then their cover, their cover of darkness is roll to hit the shoot face, trap one, if they're more than eighteen inches away. That's just what it is for that mission. Oh, is that cloak and shadows? That's the bottom left. Ah, yes, okay. cover of darts rule. Yes. Oh, and you can spend one command point for... Oh, oh, but that's... So for one turn, you can spend one command point for one of their units not to have that penalty. Yeah, so it's a mission-specific rather than the generic version of Night Fight we saw before. So I think, like, that will be a really good mission to incorporate at least aspects of. So we'll have to see. Yeah. Because... yeah, because you could you could actually play that, but just without keeping them secret. But then it's still got a little bit less character than the other ones. Yeah, yeah. Then it's just the three objectives each maelstrom. But yeah, okay. Additional minus one to hit. But tactical escalation looks to be the same. Um, okay, but there's another thing in there. So so now the tactical objectives all have sort of types. So there's some, like, uh, that one we saw before, 
um, Storm and Defend, with, and there's others called like Take and Hold. And so in Tactical Escalation, you can nominate one of these types, like Take and Hold, and they're worth an extra point. Right, okay. But you lose a victory point if you discard one of those. And this is at the start of the game. So I'm, I might say, for this game, I'm going to try to Season Defend, and they're worth an extra point to me, but if I ever discard any of them, I actually lose a point. That's, that's, re- that's a really cool mechanic. Because the objective types were basically like worthless before. Does it say when that kicks in? Like, do yeah, you so see where the start the, of the first? At the start of the first battle round, but before the first turn begins. So you know so what, what objectives are where and such. Yeah, so that's that. just after Caesar attempts. You shake hands, best of luck. And you go, right, I'm going to do this one, you're going to do that one. Yeah, that's cool. Because I was wondering if you didn't know. That'd probably be more interesting if you didn't know beforehand. Because then you're taking the gamble of, oh, I might have to discard that one. Or, oh, how do I want to go about it? Because you can play pretty safe now. I think that the randomness can be interesting. But it can also be like quite frustrating. Because if, if well, you end up... not to do it, couldn't you? Um, so you, you, you'd take the risk... Player... No, you, you have to nominate an objective type. But you ah, can right, nominate you a really to. rare one, I suppose. Like if there's any that are left. Well, I imagine there'll be six of each type in a 36-card deck. It's, it seems like the best way to structure it. Yeah, probably one of these six. Um, yeah, victory conditions. Yeah, do your tacos. They've also all got Warlord, First Blood, and Linebreaker in. Yeah, it's, it's very, very similar to anyone who's played 40k in seven. Yeah. Uh, what's cleanse and capture? Cleanse and capture. Um, oh, that's just make sure you have three tactical objectives at all times. Um, yeah. The relics still there. Please tell me the relics changed. Any infantry model only can carry the relics. There are no more jet bikes with it. Um, from that point, the relic remains with the model until it is dropped, which but only it, happens if the model is slain off. So you can't choose to drop the relic anymore. You also can't throw it to your mates. But it's also, but I think... You can move nine now. I think you can't shoot if you have the relic on a guy. Guys, the uh, the rules for the grab cannon and grab amp are out. Oh, where are those? Uh, on Read them out. Warhammer community. Read them out. Give them a shout. 24-inch uh, range, heavy Back four, strength five, minus three, damage one. But if a target has a save characteristic of three or better... This weapon damage is D3. That's pretty good. So, that's very powerful. It's not that good compared to how it is now, right? He I looks at like six grab cents on the, on the shelf. Wait, if Ren, you think Ren most goods damage. But like against Marines, uh, just as what, like D3, uh, just as one wound, it's like a like no, a bail. They've, they've got three up. Yeah, but Marines only have one wound, right? So that three-up thing only kicks yeah, in against true. multi-wound targets. against the big stuff. You'll but get four shots each still. I, I think the, the bad bit is three. that it's only strength five, so it's going to be wounding an awful lot of stuff on fives. Yeah, so it's fives to wound vehicles. and if the, Which and, is better than it was. It was and that's yeah, but, a big thing. That must be... Um, like a that Wraith Knight, before modifiers. Be I, I assume yeah. a Wraith Knight is going to be more than Toughness 5. Like, well, no, because yeah. if, if it's Toughness 10, you wound it on 6s, right? Well, exactly. I, I don't think it will be Toughness 10, but but yeah, it's going to be wound 5s or 6s, so... 
Yeah. It's kind so, of there are nice middle of the road the there. as well. So you don't but, get to reroll to wound. You don't get rerolls to hit anymore. Like well, you, so you don't know. It doesn't say what the grav amp does. No, that's the only rules for the thing. So my guess is the amp does the save characteristic buff. But because no, you never see grab cannons with amp. No, you, you don't know that. Grab guns would but, do that, but then you grab really, amp was you reroll wound. No, but you you don't know how it works at all, right? The grab cannon could just be the core stat line, and then the amp could be the if the target has a save of better. Like that's what I mean, but. They've they've shown like the only those are the only rules for the graph cannon and grab hunt. So there's no nothing about reroll to wound there. I think it would be in there'd be a separate section say what grab hunt does. I I'm really sure it won't be. I'm really sure because they wouldn't have just shown half of the rules for the grab cannon. Well, they, they because would. that is the rules for grab cannon and grab hunt wind. Well, we should find out soon enough, but I've got a feeling yeah. a grav amp would do something. Because what would a grav gun be? So yes. a grav gun might just be three shots, strength five, minus three rend, one damage. Which is still good, but it's not OP. Now, I think that it'll still have some, because the grav, the theme of it is, it does something no, the Adam, Adam, they've said in the comments on the article on Facebook, um, hey Troy, so Troy's asked... Um, what grav amps do literally nothing now. And Good he said, hey, Troy. Troy, the grav amps bonus is incorporated into the stat line of the weapon rather than being a reroll. And so someone, so Troy's then said, what does a regular grav gun do? And nobody said anything back to him. So yeah, that, that literally is all you get from a grav gun, grav gun and with grav. You might find that a normal grav gun's kind of like strength three or four or something, and like range uh, one or two. It or might be going to sort weapon. A grab I, I, weapon. I do think grab's still very well. This weapon's still very good. Yeah, it's, it's good against good. kind of middle of the road stuff. The toughness like, isn't too high. Toughness five like or that, lower, though. then yet yeah, it is good. You'll see a lot of that, I think. So that's the profile yeah. save characteristic as well, right? So if you get a guy with a four up save and three up cover, he's still okay. And it's not that good against like lots of stuff now. But to be honest, that's still very good. Yeah, and it's it was always be. going to be worse in comparison to now. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's where it should be. In the same article, they talk about predators. So now, obviously, with the twin las cannon, you can just have four las cannons, and they're toughness seven with eleven wounds. So with a, what save did they say? They don't say. So say you have a four up save. Yeah, so it's a four up save. You with marine vehicles if they get a three or a four. So I think the big thing with vehicles then, looking at that grav weapon is vehicles of the three-up save might actually be significantly worse than those yeah. of the four. I think because the marine vehicles, you might find Have that you... the rhinos so, are um, the rhinos are a four-up save, the kind of middle-of-the-road stuff, the predators, vindicators, what have you, a three, and then the land raiders will get their two-plus. I don't. Th- I think the land raiders will be a three only. and then the pre- Well, we've seen the chaos ones on a two. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay, take it back. Right. Have you read on about Gulliman's rules. Wow. Um, he's got a good gun. He's got nine wounds, six attacks. We knew that. He's got a good what, melee. What, what is his um, gun and melee? Don't just say good. Let's hear it. Okay, so he's got rapid fire three, six shots at half range. At strength six, AP minus one, two damage. So but essentially an auto cannon with more shots. So auto cannons now will be strength six, AP one, two damage, possibly. But, but, but he hits on twos. 
He's at plus two strength, and he's at minus four armor and three damage. And on the roll of a six plus to wound, he does D3 extra mortals. Told you, Pat. Um, he has two up armor, three up invern, and the first time he dies, he gets back on a four up. That's the same as he is now. Yeah, me and, um, Pat, me and Pat. All, me and Pat oh, my God. Game. All ultras within six get re-rolled to hit and wound. Uh, Gulliman 12 grand cents <laughs> done. <laughs> no, those fucking Hellblasters. Obviously, the Hellblasters would like awesome with that. Wow, I wonder how much he's going to be, because that's amazing. Yeah. He's good now, which... So it's, it's, it's now officially the start of the Gillimeta, is that fair to say? Yeah. No. I don't know. I mean, you'll probably be looking at something close to Magnus points, though. Well, well Magnus is 4.15 or something from those yeah. speeds that we'll get on to. He'll be a, you know he'll what? Be a part of your army. I think you'd pay it, because yeah. buffs you give, <laughs> and you're not going to kill him. You can't you're not going to kill him. him. You can't shoot you can't him. Fight. Even when you, like, only crap stuff will be able to have the sniper. Like, those sniper drones, Gilliman just won't give a shit about them. With his 2-up save 3 plus invul. Yeah, oh, really good. What you might find is the buffs might not be kind of. Does he say units within models within? He gives all ultramarines within six. So if it's units, that's probably it's probably models though. If it's models, are still good though. It is still very good. Yeah. Don't forget, you can use command points to re-roll the four up if you do manage to kill him. Yes, you can, Adam. Yes, you can. Um. And lastly, they talk about Dreadnoughts, who are now toughness 7, 8 wounds, 4 attacks, strength 12, AP minus 3, 3 damage. Yeah! The Heavy Flamer, obviously, is brilliant. Um, and their heavy weapons are pretty good, obviously. They just say we anticipate a lot of twin lance cannons, but depends how many points all the weapons are, right? Well, I think you're going to see a lot of sense in drop pods as well. Yeah, if that's allowed we have to wait and see what the drop pod does because it, well, it's just a, gonna, it might just say, a transport isn't take... it what comes down first turn or you roll you oh, first turn or roll it comes down on a three plus right if that rules in play but well those are the match play rules the th- oh no they're not are they yeah of course yeah they seemed to be very well we've seen bits and pieces we're not sure exactly where from so yeah they sound very narrative with what was next yeah. Um, uh, Gilliman uh, is amazing. Yeah, Gilliman's really strong. Well, we have seen and depending the points what the... for Chaos, haven't we? So yeah. It'd be quite We know, like, the language points. Aberdon was, like, what, 253? Yeah. So I think Gilliman, probably maybe 300 or so, because uh, Aberdon's also got, like, a hit buff aura, or reroll hits yeah. aura. But yeah, then his wounds as well. Oh, he's, he's not as tough to kill. I actually you know think what? The, instead it, of Grav Sense, I think Heavy Volta Sense with the rerolls to wound and Hurricanes. Because then missile you've got, launchers. No, just uh, Hurricanes and Heavy Volta, you've got 30 shots per model of rerolls to hit and wound. And you can hurt basically anything now with them. I suppose, yeah, you just want you, might, you might want a few of something else just to get rid of your, whatever the trim yeah. of 40k will be. Yeah, yeah, you just need like, wow, okay, that's re- like some Hellblasters maybe will deal with it. You're going to you're going to see Gulliman a lot now. There's going to be so yeah. many armies built around him. Yeah, I reckon he gets 500 points. 500 points, because he's a beat stick on his own, and an army buff on multiple ways. Yeah. He sounds really cool. 
and you that's find a way to deal with Gilliman, right? Because normally you can just snipe out the buff characters, but not with him. He's going to have more to, uh, well, more rules as well, probably. This is only a little bit. Um, that's enough for me. <laughs> yeah, I reckon. I reckon that's most of it. I don't think you'll see much more, unless it's maybe a couple of extra command points. Because if Ultramarine's tactics are more command points, you could build a fairly low. You can build a fairly low number of units army with Gilliman that's designed to finish deploying first and go first and just alpha some off the board, right? I wouldn't be surprised if he got something like he can spend one command point per turn for free. He's going to have morale buffs as well, like Abaddon is going to have a range of morale buffs. Yeah, you'd hope Gilliman so. is going to. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Maybe he'll do something to No No Fear, yeah. He's a Primarch. He's gonna have. He's gonna do something. Why? But imagine what Mortarian's gonna be like, right? And Magnus. Oh, if can't this wait. Good, no, I Magnus, really want to see Magnus rules. I can't yeah. wait to see Magnus rules. Adam's gonna do a little sexy in his pants. <laughs> I also really want to see the Lord of Skulls rules. Yeah, because he's like, how many points was he when we saw that? Eight, eight, eight. Four hundred something. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, I think you're right, Simon. Yeah, there was 800 points it used to be, and now it's like, yeah, less than half. Adam, we're talking about the Lord of Schools, not Magnus. No, uh, Lord of Schools now is 400 and something, isn't it? So he's halved. And yeah, so, uh, well, um, that's awesome. And obviously, Gilliman gets to reroll hit some wounds himself. So all his, like, awesome gun. So six shot. Oh my God, he's like an absolute. Beats it, yeah. He's got to be a lot of points, and even then, he's still going to be worth having. But this is going to be the first test to how balanced they see the game is how many points good. Yeah, the, the best balanced game they've made. What comes up, with, comes up with beat stick Gulliman. Like we're still we're still quite out of it, right? Because you don't know how many points many things are. Does he? But, I mean, have they given us a power level? No, there's nothing in there. Oh, yeah, there's nothing. So. I'm going to go, or Adam, what are you going to go with? I think 500 points. So Magnus is 415. That's the benchmark, isn't it? Pat? I'm going, to, I'm going to go a bit higher. I reckon about 550. Matt? 486, because they're all random numbers. Yeah, that's true, actually. Um, and I think they might under... Mm, oh, it's really tough. Yeah, I'm going to go with for 4.59. You're watching Bill like 300 points now we've all said yeah. 400 <laughs> nah, he, he seems solid. But I yeah. think how many points was the Land Raider that we saw? Was it 279 or something daft? Um, something. Well, with, the yeah, spread that, with the Land Raider, do you have to pay for the weapons on top of that? I think so. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Because if you do, then... All of a sudden, that's not looking such a bargain. Yeah, that's going to be like 300 plus. Oh, yeah. Well, with the twin Lascans going to be expensive. The right? Lascans, yeah, they're I mean, cheap. Let's double back a sec to... So if we finish going through the missions... Yeah. I feel like it's too much to point on there. Yeah, the missions are basically the same. Oh, there's... Um, kill points one is now multiple victory points per unit destroyed. Oh, was that just D3 for each unit? Or? Well, it's a bit blurry, but it looks like it might be two. Well, if it's the same for each unit, it's 
doesn't really make much difference. Well, it just means Slay the Warlord, First Blood, and Linebreaker aren't such a big deal, I suppose. Yeah, you yeah. have to, one unit is worth two of them. Yeah, yeah. That, the only real impact. Yeah. Um, okay, so the core mechanics then. So I mean, I think we just finished fight phase morale. So that's Age of Sigma battle shot, right? So um, people haven't played that. Start now. But um, basically, you roll a dice and add the number of models that have been destroyed from the unit that turn. And then for every point that total is above your leadership characteristic, your unit loses another model. So. Simple example of that. So you've got ten marines who are leadership six, Seven. and you lose four. Just as the example, say the six. Yeah. You lose four. They effectively go down to two. You roll a dice, whatever you beat two by. So say you roll a five, you lose another three. Yeah, because then you have got four casualties plus five on your d6 for nine, minus that leadership total of six for three dead. Yeah, so it's, um, once you play a few games, it's super simple and everyone will pick it up like yeah. crazy quick. Um, and there's also less than half a page on how transports work, which is awesome. Um, transport capacities on the sheet. Um, when you set up in, so you can set up in transports and you can do multiple units. So yeah, that's so a way of reducing you your drops, though, right? Essentially. Yeah. So you could set up. So that's some of the value of a land raid, I suppose. If it has like 15 transport capacity, you could One set thing... up three of the units in it, and then that's uh, four units going down to one. One thing, um, if we are alternating units when we set up, do we know yet if uh, a unit inside a transport counts as one or choice or two or what? So it says. So it says when you set up a transport. Units can start the battle embarked within it instead of being set up separately. Declare what units are embarked inside the transport when you set it up. So that's when you put the vehicle down, you also get to put down all the other units at the same time. So it speeds up your deployment in terms of number of units you've got. If you deploy in less on that's the table. It. If you've got a bunch of characters as well, a Landraider could have a unit and then three or four characters... Yeah, I, th- I think you'll see, in like, there. the random Razorback or random Rhino being in a lot of Marine lists just purely characters. for that benefit, because all your buff characters, you can just stick them all in the Rhino, and then you... you yeah, so you you've got dump them all out turn one. And... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Put them where you want them, turn one. But it just really cuts down... And I think, again, you'll probably see that for every army with a transport. That'll be a really good way to cut the drops down. Um, is there anything more on these rules? Oh, battle-forged armies... Um, so basically, we kind of covered this earlier with the Q&A, your army has to have a faction keyword, and then within that, all your detachments have to have a faction keyword. The army's detachment doesn't have to be the... The, the army's keyword doesn't have to be the same as that for each of the detachments, but all the units in those detachments have to have the army keyword. So it's easy to an example. So with the example, you could have... Um, an Eldar, a Craftworld Eldar detachment, and a Harlequin's detachment, and they could both have one have one have Harlequin's keyword and one have Craftworld's keyword. But as long as both of them have all units with the Eldar keyword, they can be an Eldar army. But you couldn't have Tau and Necrons or Tyranids and Imperial Knights. Do you think that then in time that we might see once we get specific codexes out, like we do in Age of Sigma, then uh... We'll get kind of 
narrower faction specific abilities yeah uh, i think absolutely what they've said is going to be the plan for the codexes so you'll get like allegiance abilities basically within the codex yeah but then, so it's at what level they kick in so it, presumably it will be say you have an imperial army with a primaris marines detachment and uh astra militarum detachment if the primaris marines get a codex early only the stuff in the primaris marines detachment will get to use the fancy new yeah primaris i'm wondering whether they'll do it that way or you might not be able to get those abilities unless the entire army is, yeah is kind no, of one one so faction i went i went, I went through it with, I uh, so i went through it with one of the designers after the q a and basically they said that um each detachment will get to use the abilities of its keywords but then the army has to be all units that share at least one keyword so you can have a dark angels unit and uh blood angels you have a dark angels detachment and a blood angels detachment all using their own rules in an imperial army but what you but that means you have to fill out more core restrictions if you just wanted one detachment so say you wanted one brigade of imperial you could take Primaris Marines, Dark Angels, Blood Angels, Astra Militarum, all that, but then you could only use the Imperium abilities. So I think it's one of those things that once you start actually making armies with it, you'll see how it works quite clearly. It, it is quite a big difference to how we construct armies now, which is basically like, do what you like, just don't stand them next to each other. Um, but I yeah, think it's, it's a lot more, more narrative. It's a lot more narrative limitations. Yeah. Probably a good thing, really. I think so, because there's a lot of army mechanics that are designed in, like, a narrative way as well. So, like, the obvious thing is, like, the Riptide Wing just being put, like, everywhere. That obviously will can only be put, or the equivalent of a Riptide full detachment could only be put with armies that are Tau. Because, as we've seen in the Tau faction focus, they only have the Tau keyword. So that's really positive. Especially if you're an Imperial player, because then you get, you still get quite a lot of stuff to choose. Um, then there's a bit on command points. So armies start with, Battleforged armies have three command points, and you get extra for how your detachments come in. There are a load of detachments. Um, we won't go through them all now. There's like three basic ones, which are a HQ and some troops, and maybe a couple of other stuff. And the more core requirements you have, the more command points you have. Then there's three that are some HQs and either elites or heavy supports or fast attacks spammed out. And you don't get as many command points for them. Then there's a bunch of specialist ones like a load of super heavies or a load of flyers or some fortifications or like an auxiliary thing. And you don't really tend to get any command points for them. Um, and do we know there's, there's the one where you can basically do take whatever you want, but then you get a negative command point? Yeah, so again, you still can't break um, the army allegiance. So say you've got an imperial army and you've got a blood angels detachment and you've got a dark angels detachment. You could then take an auxiliary support detachment of, say, Astra Militarum to include a single heavy support choice of Wivens. But then that means you lose one command point because of the auxiliary support rules. So that's quite nice. I mean, yeah, that kind of makes sense. You can understand that. Yeah. Um, and it's also the cheapest way to get Girly Man because. Oh, the, so you can just tag him into anything. Yeah. Yeah. But the basic 
core detachments, none of them have Lords of War slots. Oh, the really? only one with Lord of War slot is Supreme Command, which is three to five HQs, not to one elites, not to one Lord of War. Oh, sorry. Oh, there's this, this super heavy auxiliary detachment. Yeah, it's just one Lord of War. So there's a lot of ways to get. Yeah. Sorry. It's, oh, it's your neighbour doing work on his thing again, Matt. Let's see. Him and his wife, yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, Keeping happy. And then there's been a loads of points put out and stuff like that. Um, rather than go through them all, we'll just stick them all on the Allies' Facebook page. Yeah, all the chaos already. Yeah, and we'll put the we'll put the new missions ones up now as well. Which, ah, uh, yeah, I'm just posting the new bits now, so they should be there before this podcast hits. But Ooh. I think the Hellbreak. Looks awesome. I want to talk about the Hellbreak. Yeah. Yeah. Hellbreak. We just need to know the weapon cost. Yeah. Yeah. But he looks... He's moved 30. So his base cost for a Hellbreak is 138, but he's 10 power, which is the same cost as that Feated Blight Drone. But again, the Blight Drone's base is only 100. And if you look at the power to points, it's typically around 20 with yeah. more war gear. So I guess maybe the Hades is like, because um, obviously the Helldrake can't is at minus one to hit if it moves when it shoots the Hades auto cannon. Do we so know I, whether? Um, so you know, you know how we buy weapons separately now on models. Do we know whether the cost of a weapon for one unit is the same for the same weapon on another? So yes. So, so say your tactical squad, like your tactical squad sergeant wants to buy a power sword. Is that the same cost for him as it is for a captain? I think so, from what we've seen. But uh, it's, it's different in different bits, I think. Because if you look in the points appendix from the marine link, leaks, there's all the units listed, and then there's all the range weapons listed, and they've all got standard costs. Cool. But there's but there's no sharing of weapons between for them, so we'll have to see, basically. Also, the thing, the, the thing with this Howdrake is it's actually a proper dragon now. Yeah, I'm not sure if I think some of the models where you don't have the weapon options, you might get fixed. Yeah, so, I'm thinking that like, as well. The Land Raider with those weapons, that's just what it has. It is that many points with its weapons built in. Whereas no, it, it isn't like the options. Really, it's the same as like the Obliterators. Since they only have the one gun, does it make sense having the one gun at a separate points cost? I, th- no, I think I've like, We'll see, so that's like, not they've done it before. If you look in the Primaris Marines leaks, like the yeah, Hellblast... They'll, they'll have options, is what I was they'll, ha- to they'll have a Melter Gun and the Flamer option, probably. So no, you no, attack the Marine squad, your Marine will be X points, but then this Marine can have that weapon for that point, this model can have that weapon for that point. No, we, we've seen the full for Hellblasters that weapons. with all the options, and there's, there's only Plasma Incinerators, the options for Hellblasters at the moment. Yeah, but that you know they're going to get other bits too. Well, maybe in future, but on release, they've only got Plasma Incinerator, Bolt Pistol, Frag and Crack. Like, as in, that's the, that's not even, like, a preview. That's a picture of a book. That's from the starter kit, though, isn't it? We'll see. So, my guess is that they'll do the costing uniformly. Because all the points cost in that Chaos book, as well, they all say, these are the points without war gear. Does it, or does it just say per model? No, at the top, if you look at the start of the points, it says points per model does not include war gear. That does make some of the stuff 
pretty expensive then, depending on cost of weapon. Some well, stuff like, looks cheap. Some look is typically uh, twenty to one, so a ten power unit typically costs around two hundred points in the stuff we've seen so far. If you look at the Blitz, they're one hundred and ninety-five now. Yeah. Uh, without if that's without the weapon, they ain't. Yeah, it will. They're, they're going to be. It, be says it doesn't include the cost of warfare. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, we really need to see the weapon cost before we can judge a lot of this stuff. Unless yeah. what it actually means is kind of without war gear means like additional options. Yeah. No, it, it it doesn't say that. Like it's absolutely not the additional options. Well, what classes is war gear now? So, question. so on the profile, there's a box that says war gear. Obliterators don't have it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, war gear. Each model is equipped with. Um, yeah, so the Heldrake's got war gear options. The Land Raider, yes, yeah, if you look at the Land Raider, for example, Sai. Yeah. The, the only war gear options are the Havoc Launcher or the Combi Weapons. Okay. But then it has the guns and other stuff included. I That's think, yeah, saying. you'll you'll have a standard baseline, but then you can buy additional stuff or, like, swap your weapons out for something better for an extra cost. I think it's got to be, because this does could be too expensive. So otherwise, yeah, like an Oblit that can only have one weapon, there'd be no point pricing the weapon separately. Yeah, because the Oblit right. doesn't have any war gear. Oh, if you don't have a war gear box, then you, yeah, that is how that works. But the Heldrake has the auto cannon built in, and then there's a war gear option, it can swap for yeah. a Bale Flamer. Okay, well... So, so the I think the war gear will be your optional bits. Like, I'm still you'll have not 100% on that, because... I'm, yeah, I'm still going to wait and see before I go. I still think it'll work like all the weapons and stuff they have, you still have to add on. It's like that Heldrake's base cost is 140, but the power of 10 is along 200 points and all the other stuff that's power 10. But they might have to, like the power, as we've, we know, is a kind of general guideline. If It's hard to have the same power for a Hades autocannon that it is for a Bale Flamer. If well, the flamer is quite expensive... So, but that's why there'll be like a bit of a, there'll be some difference, but I don't think there'll be too much, because at the top it says like the points and, and the war gear they are equipped with. So I still if think you, you have to pay points for weapons. If you want to make the game simple, then making it so you pay for a marine's bolter and a marine's bolt pistol. Well, no, but they're free. Uh, you, bolt pistols, bolters, frag and crack grenades cost zero points. So you don't have to worry about that. Like the, the basic weapons, like pulse rifles, they'll cost zero points. Yeah, like, so a land raider with a lot. No, but Lazcan will still it. have a cost, I think. A twin link Lazcan still has a cost. But it might not for a land raider, though. But if you look right, the, that land raider is 19 power. And then it's. Yeah, I is, think the thing is, you're going off this guide, which I can't see a land raider being 400 points based like on your guide. That many wounds and that good an armor save, and it's Im- immune to the um, heavy weapon penalty because it's got four lasgun shots a turn. Right, that's like nearly night killing firepower. Like a land raider in a few turns will kill a knight. Whereas now that's like never going to happen. Yes, threes and threes versus a five up save for d6 damage a time, and obviously it's got that transport capacity as well so that reduces your number of drops 
so it can take 10 infantry models. You've got a squad or some jump pack guys, a couple of characters in. Um, I mean, what moves. we might see is that actually army scales change massively. Like 2,000 points might not actually be as much stuff as we play at 1850 now. I think it'll vary, is my guess. Like, I think 2,000 will become the new standards. But I really, I do think, like, because 140 for Heldrake at that price is like, don't even bother giving it the Bale Flame and just take as many as you can. Take and just 12 charge, of them, yeah. Yeah, and just charge 30 inches turn one, which is just ludicrous. So it's got to be 200 points, right? Because that's a really, really good model. Those are really good rules. It's still only one model, though, which is, I think, a lot, when you say it's got 12 wounds, a lot of stuff's doing 2, 3 damage these days. Yeah, and but I it's think a thir- cheaper as well. It's the 30-inch move turn one, and it regains a wound every turn as a 5-up inburn. It's the 30-inch move and charge, right? That's the big thing. And the Bale Flamer and the Fly. Yeah. it's the. So it's got to be 200 points. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, like 140 is just insanely cheap for that. You know, everything else might be around... Because you see, Aberdeen is only 250 yeah, he can he can just be like sniped out now, can't he? The characters seem no, because he's gotten a bit cheaper. He's got he's only got a few wounds. Yeah, but that's only if he's not the closest. So you can just get something close to him and then blow him up, unless you bubble wrap him and then you give up some of the positioning. Yeah, so a held rate bit for one forty. They're not crazy good. They've only yeah. got a few attacks. It's just a, they're good at locking something up for a turn, but then they'll probably die because. Well, it's no, honestly, from the demo game, that toughness seven with like a five up inburn takes like and three up armor that takes a few wounds to kill, even from like good multi damage stuff. It's ba- if you think about it, it's the same as a tactical squad plus two extra wounds. So it's the same as killing it's toughness seven as well, and it's thirty inches of movement. It's really good. I think they're good, but I don't think they're going to be like crazy expensive, like you're saying. I I, I really think they'll be around 200 points now, drinks. If they're put it this way, if they're only 140, we'd take like a dozen, I reckon. Yeah, I can see it being popular because everyone's got a few models anyway. Yeah, I think Aberdon, it, it's great seeing his stats now. Yeah, I know Adam was proper happy when this, I showed him this morning. Is Adam Eason still there? No, he, he had to go. Oh. Ah. But yeah, Adam was getting super excited. Yeah. Well, it is exciting to see all the new stuff. But yeah, so if anyone wants to see any, we've put all the chaos bits up on the podcast page. They're all on Facebook. The new missions are on face, the Facebook page. Uh, what else have we just chucked up? All the little bits and pieces we'll keep putting out. And yeah. we'll keep ch- chucking them on the Facebook page. We'll put everything. Hopefully, we'll get new bits and pieces as soon as we get something from anywhere. Because I know a few people are asking at the weekend where we get the stuff from we put on the page. It's just online. There's just that many of us we're all keeping an eye out for stuff we're yeah. all getting shared things in different groups if something pops up one of us gets it yeah we'll share it with you guys because we know everyone wants to see stuff yeah I've, I've been putting quite a bit on um, Twitter recently as well like 
either through Allies Podcast or um, Miner's Sheep Hammer as well. So, Twitter, that's another 40k thing, you crazy man. <laughs> yeah, I know, because there's loads of Sigma on there, but the um, the Games Workshop rules designers also like do Twitter Q&As now and again, and there tends to be stuff sort of flies around there every now and again, so it's still worth a look. And if I go yeah. to like, an event or something, rather than Facebook, yeah, I'll just like try and live tweet like, the Q&A because it's a bit easier. Yeah, hopefully we'll keep the content coming out and hopefully you guys enjoy it. But I think we'll call that a wrap for this one. And then yeah, I think so. Have, should have another one very soon and we'll keep ramping it out back like we used to be rather than one every six, seven years. <laughs> right, so see you later, guys. And thanks very much for coming on, Si and Pat. And who knows thanks. Where I'm Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.